It is Dynasty X, the 10-year anniversary of Dynasty Podcasts. Of course, we had to restart it because live streaming is a totally unpredictable format. Uh, my name is Haima Black. I'm the host and founder of Dynasty Podcasts. I founded this podcast in 2005 as the first ever and now subsequently longest-running music podcast in the city of Chicago's history. Um, today is the 10-year anniversary of Dynasty Podcasts, and for that, I wanted to do something kind of different and ambitious and probably um, terrifying and a bad idea for me. But we are doing a 10-hour live broadcast today here, broadcasting at dynastypodcast.tv. We have a crazy embarrassment of guests who are coming up. I have to read it off my phone. There's so many people who are coming up here today. We have um, any minute, probably about uh, 12.15, 12.20 or so, we have Andrew Barber of Fakeshore Drive coming up. Uh, after that, we have Greg Corner, of course. Greg, known for his work in Kilhanna, known for working as the host and music director of JBTV, known for DJing all over the city. Uh, Martin Adkins, a living legend. Martin Adkins has played in bands with Johnny Rotten. He's been a member of Nine Inch Nails. He is currently the music chair at SAE Institute Chicago. Um, Show You Suck who's one of my favorite people in the city in general, an incredible artist and rapper. Um, Show You Suck's going to come up. He's a longtime friend of Dynasty Podcasts. That's at 1.30. At 1.45, we have uh, Lily Kay, who's an incredible soul and jazz singer in Chicago. She's doing some really interesting work. She's been co-signed by Tidal, doing a lot of work with that, which is Jay-Z's streaming service. So that's really incredible. We'll talk to her about that. Uh, Kinky Love and Zoe Wise between 2 and 2.30 coming up. So we are just setting up the stream a couple times right now. We are broadcasting from the Public Hotel. My name is Haima Black. Again, this is Dynasty X, a 10-hour live broadcast for the 10-year anniversary of Dynasty Podcast. I was running through the schedule, which you can find at any time during the day today at dynastypodcast.tv. So uh, we were talking about Zoe Wise and Kinky Love coming up. Uh, in the two o'clock hour, Zoe Wise is a incredible singer-songwriter, solo artist in her own right in Chicago. She has a solo career. She releases solo music, and she also has a band, Kinky Love, that she works under that title as well with a number of collaborators. So we're going to have Zoe come up, talk about what she's doing with both her own music and the Kinky Love banner. After that, we have Beach Jesus, a new group who has not been on Dynasty Podcast, but has started doing some cool stuff around the city. They have a new record. They did some work with 1833 at Eastroom, I believe. So we're going to get to know them a bit more. Uh, 2.30, we have Rebecca Brunner. Rebecca Brunner, rising singer-songwriter in Chicago, incredible voice, incredible talent. And she was one of my students at Columbia College Chicago, where I also teach during the school year. Um, Speaking of Columbia College, we have Justin Sinkovich coming in at 2.45. Justin Sinkovich of Poison Arrows. Um, He's also one of the head instructors in the business and entrepreneurship department at Columbia College Chicago, again, where I teach. So we're in the same department. Justin's an incredible guy. Very excited to have him on the podcast. Uh, Also the founder of Epitonic, which was one of the first ever MP3 sites on the internet, which is crazy. Um, At 3 o'clock, we have Mark Rose and Bob Nana of Downright. Mark Rose and Bob Nana, both... Longtime friends of the podcast and both incredible talents as well. Mark Rose, who was the frontman of Spittlefield, now a solo artist. And Bob Nana, of course, from the groups Braid, uh, City on Film, a number of groups. And Bob Nana is going to be coming up 
with Mark Rose. They're going to talk about their company, Downright. It's a singer, songwriter, musician kind of sales shop on the internet where you can purchase custom songs from your favorite artists. And it's a uh, Chicago-based music tech company. So Bob and Mark are going to be coming up. I think they're bringing a band with them in the 3 o'clock hour, right? Yeah, 3 o'clock. Um, at 3.45, maybe a little bit earlier, we have the closed sessions crew. Alex Fruchter and Mike Kolar, um, longtime friends of the podcast as well. It's kind of a theme with a lot of what we're doing today. We have a lot of longtime friends of the podcast coming on, talking to us, um, really telling us what they're up to. But we're not only going to be like promoting what they have, we're really going to be kind of getting to know these people a bit more beyond the promotion. So Mike Kolar, Alex Fruchter. Um, Alex is an instructor at Columbia. Mike runs uh, Soundscape Studios and, right, Soundscape? Yep, that's what I thought. Um, so I think that they're going to bring some talent from their label as well. Closed Sessions is a hip-hop label that they've built in Chicago with some really great talent, and they're bringing some of the names that they have with them up today. After that, we've got Ganser, a really cool post-punk group from Chicago. We had them on the podcast for the first time earlier this year in an interview I did here at this hotel. Um, really, really cool group. Awesome, like, dark, post-punk like all wearing black kind of music. So I absolutely love it, of course. Uh, we have Eric Strom from Glitter Guts, the mind and camera behind glitterguts.com, coming up at 4.30. Eric is another longtime friend of the podcast, just like everyone who's coming up. And Eric is going to be, I don't even know what we're talking about exactly, but I'm sure we'll talk about what he's doing, how he's built his business and how it's evolved in Chicago and whatever else he wants to talk about. Um, Five o'clock, we have Stavros from the Atlas Moth, Stavros Giannopoulos. Um, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. So I wanted to throw in, whoops, just breaking my phone. I wanted to kind of make this a very diverse lineup. So Stavros is here, A, because Atlas Moth, Atlas Moth is amazing, and B, kind of switch things up, you know, so we have like a metal band among DJs, among post-punk groups, among hip-hop acts, among industry um, Atlas Moth has been on the road for, I don't know exactly how long now, we'll ask him, but I know that they've been on the road, touring the country, playing shows all over the United States, so we'll kind of ask him what it's been like on the road. Who else is coming on after him? Again, man, this is such a crazy huge schedule that I have to actually like refer to the list at dynastypodcast.tv where you can watch this stream. Um, Hemingbirds, really, really phenomenal indie group out of Chicago. We're going to talk to them. They have new music on the horizon. I absolutely loved their last record. Uh, Danny Deal at 5.30. Danny Deal, I keep wanting to say incredible talent, but I guess that refers to everybody who we have booked here. Danny Deal is really amazing. She's about to embark on a tour that she booked herself. Um, so we're going to talk to her about literally going the DIY route and how you put something like that together independently on your own um, she's done a TEDx talk. You know, she's constantly interviewed. She does press as a journalist. She has a podcast. Danny Deal is kind of like a one-woman, like, operation. She just does amazing things. Um, at 545, we have 1833, the promotions company in Chicago, coming up. We've also got Vamos coming up kind of in that window. We're going to make it work with both of them. Um, Vamos, really crazy, awesome punk group. They played uh, Riot Fest last year. They're from Chicago. And like I said, 1833, they do events, a lot of events with, like, um, uh, East Room, but they branch out. They have a blog, and I know that they're always trying to do some new things. 
Uh, at 6 o'clock, we have Professor Fox, who is a producer in the city. I know he's worked with Zoe Wise. I know he's worked with Chance the Rapper. He's got a really diverse resume. So we're going to talk to him about working with all sorts of different artists, a lot of them from Chicago. Uh, 6.15, Phenom, who is a really amazing DJ in Chicago. Um, he's another friend of the podcast for a long time. Phenom, you can catch him at Underground all the time. He's, I know he does a lot of stuff with Red Bull, who are great enough today to give us a lot of product for this event. So Phenom's going to be a lot of fun to talk to. He's always a blast, and he just got back from Vegas, so I have a feeling we're going to talk about that. Uh, 6.30, Archie Powell from Archie Powell and the Exports. He's always a blast. I love talking to that dude. He's a longtime veteran of Dynasty Podcasts. I know that he's been moving towards new music, so we'll check in and see what's going on with that. Uh, at 6.45, Mike Golden. Mike Golden is honestly one of my favorite voices in Chicago. That guy has just an incredible voice. It's, it's not rock. It's not soul. It's like it's something totally different with all those elements combined. Um, but it's not just one straight-up thing. So we're going to talk to Mike Golden, see what he has happening. Michael Wing at 7 o'clock. Michael Wing from Autograph and Midnight Conspiracy, also Public TV. I work with Michael Wing a lot here at Public Hotel. We do this live stream podcast or live stream broadcast event on the weekends with DJs from a party bus that Michael owns, which is amazing. Um, Michael's a longtime friend. He was one of the people who was very early on on board with the podcast, being involved as a contributor. I've known him for like 10 or 12 years, good friend of mine, so I'm really excited to have him up just to kind of hang out with him because he's a really good dude who's done some really incredible work. Um, at 7.15, we're jumping on a Google Hangout call with Stefan Ponce. So Stefan Ponce done amazing work with acts like Chance the Rapper, uh, Childish Gambino, and more. He's a producer, he's a DJ, uh, he's got a record coming out, like his own album that's on the horizon. So we're going to ask him all those kind of things when we jump into a Google Hangout. At 7.30, we have My Gold Mask. Um, is My Gold Mask playing live? No. No. Okay. So disregard that. But we have My Gold Mask coming up at 7.15, or I'm sorry, 7.30. Um, Greta and Jack from that group, longtime friends of the podcast, My Gold Mask doing really cool, ethereal weird, creepy, mysterious music. At 7.45, a Chicago scene industry staple, Anthony Spina. Anthony Spina, of course, does so many events around the city, uh, works with Old Style, and we're going to ask him what he's up to right now in Chicago. At 8 o'clock, we have a live set with Celine Neon from 8 to 8.30. I think they're going to do two or three songs live. Celine Neon, one of my favorite guests to have on the podcast. We did an incredible interview either late last year or early this year. It was our first time connecting on the podcast, and it was one of my favorite podcasts I've done in recent memory. They were so much fun. At 8.30, we have Rapper Chicks, who are absolutely a total riot. Those girls are always doing really cool work. I interviewed them last at South by Southwest, and I blushed a little bit because they get rowdy. Um, at 8.45, we have Sean Campbell and Jenny Lisak from Chirp Radio. Chirp is an online, independent radio station in Chicago and online. Uh, it stands for Chicago Independent Radio Project. And Jenny and Sean, really important people to me. Uh, Jenny Lisak is the woman who gave me my first ever internship um, in 1998 when I was 15 years old at Loyola College Radio. And she is so sick of me telling that story, and I'm absolutely going to tell it again tonight when she's here and embarrass her. But Jenny Lisak is the woman who literally gave me my first ever internship that brought me in the door into radio and music and media work in Chicago. Um, on that note, at 9 p.m., and hopefully Jenny and, and Sean can hang around for a minute, 
We have Local H coming up at 9 p.m. I think Scott's going to perform a couple songs live. Local H, need no introduction. Everyone knows Local H. And at the same time, I'm going to be co-hosting that hour, or rather Chris Payne is co-hosting that hour with me. Chris Payne, who I worked with in Chicago radio for 13 years as his producer, uh, he gave me my second internship like a couple weeks after Jenny Lisak gave me my first one. And he was the one who brought me into Rock 035, later into Q101. Um, so Chris Payne and Jenny Lisak are two people who really were so instrumental at the very beginning of my career. Um, and then beyond that, beyond my scene parents, um, we have my actual parents coming in at 9.45 to close out this broadcast. So we'll be talking to my actual parents about what it's been like um, doing this with me because they've been so instrumental in helping me make so much of this happen. Um, they supported all of my internships in high school, all of these things. When Jenny and Chris were giving me opportunities, my parents were the ones who were like letting me use the car, driving me places, all those kind of things when I was like 15 and 16 years old. So that's the hour, or rather the 10 hours that we have planned out. There might be some surprises. We'll see who comes and who goes. Um, but that's what we have happening today on Dynasty X. It's going to be a 10-hour live broadcast. Again, it's going to be broadcast here at dynastypodcast.tv, right? Holding up? Okay. So you can watch this all day. You can tune in and out. We're going to post this later on as podcasts and video on SoundCloud and YouTube, of course. So if you're like, I don't have 10 hours to watch this. I don't have 10 minutes to watch it. No worries. You can tune in whenever you want. Or if there's only one segment you want to watch, you can catch that later on when we post it online. Um, I have an incredible team here, Ingrid Legends and Prove. Pronounce your last name again? Kravoshe. Kravoshe? Kravoshe. Kravoshe, okay. I was going to get that wrong. So Prove, Kravoshe, and Ingrid Legends are here producing the live stream. We have Mary Stavropoulos. Yeah. And um, Audrey Sutherland, who are here producing from the guest side, running the green room. And... It's going to be a really, really cool 10 hours, or I'm totally going to crash and burn on the internet in front of everybody. We'll find out. Um, but we have our first guest here, and rather than me keep talking, we can totally bring him in. Uh, yeah, man, if you're, if you're ready. Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. How we doing? Congratulations. Dude. I had to bring some champagne for you. Thank it's you. Ten, it's 10 years, so that you know, is we, we got to celebrate a little bit. All right. Where should I sit? Where should I sit? How you guys doing? Anywhere here. Okay, cool. All right. Okay. Yeah, this is very nice, very elegant. Right? You guys outdid yourself. This is nice. <laughs> Got a, the, the view is beautiful. It's a it's a very elegant room. You can see the lake, all the buildings. Man, this is nice. Yeah, we really lucked Ten out. Ten years. Ten years. So yeah. Andrew Barber from Fake Short Drive, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How we doing? Congratulations. Thank you so much for starting you, us out. Yeah, you know, I, I like to I like to kick things off, you know, make, set, the, <laughs> set the standard. You send me a text or an email. You're like, let's do like in the 12 o'clock hour. I'm an early riser, and I'm like, oh, man, we are just on opposite. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you think <laughs> you, you prefer the show later on at night. You think, you think at the end of the day is when it's going to get crazy you know for me my personal schedule and i'm you know i'm the other end like i don't have a baby i don't have yeah, a family yeah, yeah, going on like yeah, yeah, yeah. i work really well after like 1 a.m oh like, man i can't i can't stay is, up that late anymore that's my golden hour because <laughs> you know at my age like i'm about to be 33 like i'm yeah, not in my yeah. 20s people aren't texting they're not emailing like 
that's my window where I'm like, I can get some work done. Get here. some peace no and quiet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, some people work like that. I used to be more of a night owl, but my schedule now doesn't really allow me to do so. So it's like, good. I know my daughter's sleeping right now. It's nap time so I can get out of the house and move around. <laughs> do whatever I need to do. So thank you for letting me come on early. Dude, I like to you. kick it out. I want to kick off the show. No, I love it. I, I want to kick it starting off. with you and Greg. Yeah, we're closing yeah. out with like local age and Chris Payne. I'm like, oh my God, that's. Yeah, it's, it's a big day, man. It is. It's a big day for you. Thank you for being so. Part can, of me, I can't imagine, you know, we're at eight years. Yeah. And that's close to 10. It's not quite 10. You know, music years is like dog years. Oh, it is. So if you like 10 years, it feels like, like 30 years or something like that. Well, I know. You know I mean, I mean? <laughs> you've been doing this so long. It's like, you know, this. You, you see these acts that come out of nowhere, they have this huge impact. Very quickly, yeah, 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 and then it goes away. It's it's a very hard industry to have any longevity in. It's, it's crazy. Um, speaking of that, I was watching a. Uh I don't know, man. I fell down a hole, and, and I was talking to my brother about Limp Biscuit, and I hate to kick <laughs> off the show with Limp Biscuit, no, but I was like, it. dude, we were talking about how they were like the biggest band in the world like 15 years ago, right? Yeah. And they had a they had a release party at the Playboy Mansion for their Chocolate Starfish album. I don't know if you were a Limp Biscuit fan or not. I worked at Q101 in the 90s, so right. I have a choice, right? Right. <laughs> and dude, it was the video, and it was like the place of was like an hour long MTV special, mm-hmm. and none of the people that were on the show that were guests at the party are relevant anymore. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I'm like, dude, it was all, these were like the biggest people of that era. And it's like, you know, you're here one day, you're gone the next. So to have any kind of, I say that to say, to be around 10 years and to continue to be thriving and still setting trends and, and making them, making waves and all that, it's, it's very impressive. It's hard to do. It is, man. So, you know, for you, like doing fake short, I mean, especially like blogs, I feel like have evolved so much since you started. Like for a while, everyone had a blog. Yeah. And now there are fewer and fewer like independent blogs. You know, there's the complexes, there's the yeah. theaters of yeah. the world. But there's less and less of what you're doing. How have you been able to like last this long in the music side and the blog side when it's, you know, the walls kind of are closing yeah, in on people? Yeah, it's tough. And it's a lot more difficult for the, you know, the independent blogs now just because... You know, I think people saw the way that the industry was changing and blogs became very popular. And so everybody kind of jumped on the wave. So so magazines that were just kind of focusing on print, they saw what was happening. They saw the blog, saw all the influence. And so they, they switched over and started putting most of their, their budgets and allocating their money and whatever to, to compete with the blogs. And they, you know, they would take some of the blogs, buy them out, um, grab a lot of the talent to work for their site. And then it became hard because... If you're an independent blog, you don't have a budget that could compete with a, a, a big publication like a Fader or a Complex or a, or a Noisy. So either you work with them or you just kind of be defeated by them. But you know, one of the things that we were able to do with Fake Shore Drive was be unique because we are, uh, you know, we focus on Chicago and now the whole Midwest. So that gave us, you know, a, 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 we were very unique. Yeah. And I, th- I remember when when I started Fake Shore, a lot of people. We're like, this isn't going to work. You're not going to be able to make it happen because... I heard all that. <laughs> right, yeah, you know what I mean? Because like, it's just you're focusing just on Chicago. There's not enough going on here. Nobody cares. You're not going to survive. So you need to just <laughs> cover the whole country. And I'm like, well, everybody's covering the whole country, the whole world. We just want to focus on what we're doing here. And thankfully, it, you know, it, doing that was a, was, a, was a blessing. And we're still here, you know, eight years later. Bring us into like, you know, for people who... Eight years ago is a long time ago now. It's a long time. Eight Things minutes have changed ago is a long so much. time now. Like, right, what was the right. rap culture in Chicago like? I mean, there was Kanye, but it was a right. totally different thing. This right. was pre-Chance. It was pre-Vic, pre-Kids yeah, These Days, all yeah. this. Um, th- it, you know, it's crazy now to see how all of these, there's all, there's like this whole scene now. 
and there was a scene then, but it wasn't like it is now. It was very right. fragmented. You know, you had the street artists in, in kind of one pocket, and then you had um, like the, the they called them hipster hop in the other, which was like the cool kids, the early treaty crew, like Mano, Holt, Mike Terror, those guys, Kid Sister. They were kind of lumped in to the hipster thing, and then there was like the street guys, like Bump J, Mickey Halstead. The same thing, but it wasn't. They didn't really interact. Right. I mean, you would go to shows, and it wasn't like these other people were really supporting each other. But with the internet, now all these walls are broken down, and all these different scenes, and people are coming together, and there's parties, and people can communicate. You know, social media changed that, blogs changed that, and it brought everybody together. Where there's like a really a thriving industry here now yeah. when at that time it wasn't it was it was super fragmented and nobody you know there wasn't really anybody helping guide that or, or or collecting it it was like you know certain people had major label deals you know and i think out of that came lupe kanye common had his big resurgence twist had his big resurgence but if you weren't one of those four artists you weren't getting any national attention right so you know in business they say if you you know you see a problem you fix it and me just being out and going to these events and parties and stuff i saw a problem and I fixed it. I said, there's nobody covering what's going on here. There's amazing stuff. And, you know, slowly but surely it, it, it grew and it became, you know, um, um, a pretty good thing. When did it start to feel legitimate? Like, I know on our end, when we started doing the panels at Rocket Bar and Grill, which I think you yeah, were on one yeah, of them. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That turned a corner for us. It put us in front of people. I think people started to kind of realize what we were doing. We started looking at it differently. I know that that was a milestone moment on our end. But when did Fake Shore turn that corner where it was not just like, like, you knew it was the thing, but other people started being like, oh, yeah. I think one of the, and I, I use this story a lot, I think one of the, the things when I was like, okay, this is something, is when Twista got me a birthday cake for my, for my 30th birthday. <laughs> And that was kind of crazy, I've ever heard. right? Right? And uh, we had, we should, we had a party together, kind of like it was his party. But they invited me. They were like, you know, our, your birthdays are around the same time. This was at, on my actual birthday, and they invited me, and I went. And they, him and his um, his manager, Raw, they had a cake for me. Had the Fake Shore Drive logo on it, and you know, legendary Trackster was there, who was his longtime producer. He bought me a bottle of champagne. I was like, okay, like I'm actually kind of accepted in this now. I'm, I'm not just an outsider. I'm kind of part of it, and that was a good feeling. And I'm like, okay, so this kind of matters now. If somebody like that, you know, on that level is paying attention, then you know, we must be doing something right. You know, it's it's interesting. Like how f- one of the things that's really funny about this business is it's interesting how far a coastline will go. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. even so, you, you did me this awesome favor in the last week. You let me do a feature at Fake Shore Drive yeah. about top ten yeah, hip hop. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. That was cool. I was so like excited about that. I really appreciated it. And after I did that, I started getting all these great emails from like you know acts that maybe I had been thinking about reaching out to, or I was like, oh man, like at some point we got a book so and so. Oh you know? really, really? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, dude, like that's great. That's that great. opened some email doors for us, and like and that article spread a lot. And again, it's really interesting just what a because you can be doing the work, but then when somebody else gives you a look, yeah, suddenly other people are like, oh, okay, I guess this is a real thing. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. So no, it's nice to have that, and it's nice to to have the appreciation and and know that other people are paying attention, and you know all your hard work is and it matters, and you've done a great job archiving everything. You know what I mean? Some of the stuff that I did back then, it, it was hard to archive everything. I'm sure there's stuff even that you have from yeah. the early days that you wish you still had, you know, because the technology wasn't the same way it is where you can just put everything on SoundCloud now. and it's, it's crazy. And even now I was thinking about that and I was like, man, okay, I've got 10 years of digital archives for this. And I went out the other day to Costco. I bought a five terabyte, which is 5,000 gig. <laughs> yeah, I was just huge. like, just why not just 
have more space than I need, but a five terabyte hard drive. And I started backing up every podcast I've done, like, you know, organizing into folders. Yeah. And I was just like, <clears throat> excuse me. I just thought, you know, the internet can go any which way at any day. Any site can get hacked or whatever. I was like, let me have all my stuff you saved. You have to, because I know some people that were doing a podcast and they were playing music on it, and their whole account got deleted because they were playing, like, major label stuff, and they, they lost their whole arsenal and, of podcasts. And, and it's weird be because awful. it's be like... It's like losing your kid or something like that. Almost. Right. It'd be like if one day WordPress or Squarespace or whatever you do for fake show is just like, oh. okay, bye. Yeah. Sorry, like, you, you've I? been posting this stuff for all these years. Here, Where does it go? And yeah. it just goes into like a black hole. And thankfully, you've, that was smart. That was, that was a good move. Well, it's weird because on Dynasty Podcast, we focus on music. Right. But we put no music in it, which is a very weird place to be, to talk to people about music for like 10 years of conversation yeah. and then be like, so your record sounds like this, and anyone listening is just going to have to take my word for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, that's really cool because I know you were at Q101, and I started off, my first right. That's in, right, my yeah. first industry thing was an internship at Q101. Yeah, and that's crazy to think about, man. How old were you? What year was that? That was summer of 2003. Summer of 2003. So 12 yeah. years ago. 12 years. It was it was before you were there, right? No, I got... Dude, my story with Q101 is crazy. I got there in 1998 at 15 years old. Wow. Because <laughs> I was working with Chris dude, Payne, the, that's the crazy. DJ, at Rock 135 for like six months. Yeah. I, I, I was like a 15-year-old kid instead of like... You know, at 15, most high schoolers, like, you want to like sneak out of the house, go see your girlfriend, you want to go get drunk with your friends. And I was like... Yo, let me go do some internship hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that really was smart, like, man. You had to that. drive for it. You know, not a lot of people don't take advantage of that. I wish I would have done it younger. I just didn't have the opportunities. I would yeah. have, but I didn't have those opportunities around me. But, you know, if you see it, you got to go after it. But doing Start Q101 early. at, you know, in 2003, like, that was a good look. That was a good time for the station. And then, so you started Fake Shore. 07. 07, that's right. right. Yeah. yeah, so years later. It yeah. was almost a wait. It was October of 07, so it was, we were closing in on 2008, so it was very late in the year. But the Q101 thing was fun, man. It was, you know, obviously that's not my uh, uh, genre of music that I focus on, mm-hmm. but, you know, just having a crack and being able to, uh, you know, have, you know, that kind of internship and being able to see what goes on at a radio station and, and the politics of it and, you know, being able to be around Man Cow and Sludge and Those all these other radio, people. Man. Yeah, it was there cool. There was money in radio, like, a lot of money. emotions, there were rock stars coming in. Like, I'd it was crazy. I'd one and some days, like, Green Day would be there. Or yeah, would it be was there. crazy. They weren't and there to see never, me, but Right, there. but I, and I had never seen anything like that. You yeah. know what I mean? I'd never been around other than seeing people in college, you know, artists that we might, you know, catch a glimpse. I'd never been around them, especially in, in, a, in an environment where they had their guard down and they were just kind of chilling. Yeah. You know, like you said, Green Day could just be walking around, smashing pumpkins. I remember Ron Jeremy was there one day and it was like, what? Ron, Ron Jeremy Ron Je- lived there. Yeah, it was, cra- <laughs> it was just crazy to see him, you know, in real life because it, you know, that was a different era. There wasn't social media. You couldn't keep up to date with everybody. So, you know, a lot of these people were larger than life figures and they kind of had a thing. And I think, you know, that's a good thing and a bad thing um, about social media because some of these people, you you see how they interact too much and you're like, they're kind of douchey. It kind of kills a little bit of the like. The mystique. But in the 90s, you're right. Like, like, okay, I've been I've been really, really fortunate. And I'm not trying to like name drop on this, but I've been able to interview Corgan a couple times in this podcast. He's been good enough to do it. And he's always been incredible. Nothing but absolute positive experience but in the 90s like there was no way i was talking to billy corgan i wasn't rolling stone or spin you know what i mean like and you the, would have no it. chance they, yeah they didn't talk to people like that and and now everything like the walls have kind of broken down and it is a little bit more of a level playing field and so it can go either way you might interview someone you looked up to for 15 years and walk away and be like 
That was the worst feeling. Yeah, oh, you could be very disappointed. You yeah. know, they always say don't meet your heroes. Yeah. But so you I'm, still want to meet them. You still want to be around right. them. Um, but it was, you know, back then, magazine was the only way. Magazine or maybe like something on MTV or something, sure. you know, on BET or whatever. That's how you got your news. That's how you got your information. One oh, magazine yeah. a month, the source of Double XL. And that came just once a month. You didn't have the round the clock news cycle that you do now. The internet was around, but it wasn't like it is so, now. I mean, that being said, with Fake Short Drive, it's like you guys post so much content. You're so on top of things. Like, how do you do that? How man, do you just, stay on top of it? Because I know it's just it's basically exhausting. you and Ty, right? Yeah, that's it. It's just it's just me and Ty. That's it, man. It's it's kind of crazy. I mean, we, you know, um, full time. That is, you know, Ty's been around for five years. He's you know great asset. He definitely helped. You know, things really took off when he when he jumped in and and, and jumped on board to help out. And you know, he's been a driving force in it. But you know, we've had we've had different writers and interns and people over the years that have gone on to do to do good things yeah. within the music community. Um, we have people that that contribute here and there. We've we've had some we've had some great people contributing lately. But um, you know, it just I, I believe in um, you know quality over quantity, and I think a lot of a lot of sites just it's clickbait. It's churning out content. We want to, you know, make sure that we're giving people good stuff. We're not a gossip site. And then, you know, after... Well, and that's so you, important. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to just be a gossip site. And then you have to think about what kind of legacy do you want to leave? Like, what, like, you know... Do you want a million clicks right now, or do you want to be doing this in 10 years? Right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, I mean, maybe I don't want to be doing blog posts <laughs> every day, uh, all day for, you know, 10 years from now. But, you know, we're definitely growing into other, um, you know areas and doing new things and so it's not just a blog anymore you know we do a lot of different things so i think you know that's kind of what we've been focusing on a lot too well it's growing mean, in growing in different ways i mean yeah like uh, what we're doing right now is like we're doing a live broadcast on Ustream and a couple different other channels right you know and it's like it's technically a podcast but i i want to keep evolving it because i know that you stop swimming you drown oh so yeah like, yeah yeah it's done because there's people hungry man there are people right there waiting for your spot and you know you filled a void. There was nobody doing this here, but I, I'm 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 guessing there's some probably some people you might see as competitors. Maybe maybe you don't maybe they're not on your heels, but you're like okay, if I slow up, then they might catch me, and I don't want that to happen. More and more people are finding podcasting, and I don't even look at it as I'm like yo, let's go slash their tires. It's just like okay, let's keep doing our right. thing. You can't and worry focus about that. On ours. So like, where what are you guys branching into? It? Can you talk about any of it? How is Fake Shore evolving? Um, well, we have. I, I was gonna. I thought I was gonna have the green light to announce it today, but I can't. Okay. But this week we'll, we'll be we'll be announcing. Uh, we got a nice venture coming out. Um, I wish I could say, but I can't. So just stay tuned for that. We got a really okay. exciting new thing, new direction. It's gonna be it's gonna be cool. It's just an extension of what we're doing, just kind of taking it to another uh, area. You know, a lot of things we, we do we do a lot of events now. You know, events, parties. You've been to some. You've been to yeah, a number absolutely. of the the events. You um, do a lot with Red Bull. Who definitely, again, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout today. out! I was gonna say shout, shout out to Red, Red Bull. Bull. <laughs> we have a we have a show coming up in uh, in the sixteenth of, of September, which is in a couple weeks, and it's Jaw Rule. We got Jaw Rule coming in, which is gonna be awesome. That's if someone be a went lot back to the nineties and told you you're gonna be throwing a show at Jaw Rule, it's crazy. Like. What? It's crazy, man. <laughs> you know, and he has so many hits, and you forget that there's guys like this. And, you know, a lot of times people are like, why do you always do the old school guys? Because, you know, for a while we would mix it up. We would, might bring an old old school. Not they're not they're To me, they're not even old school, but just like not like the guys that are on the charts exactly right now killing it. But, you know, guys like that, the crowd has more fun a lot of times. Sometimes you get a new artist that comes in and people are kind of like oh they're dope but we don't really know that you know people turn up it's fun but mm-hmm. we don't really know a lot of their songs what's the longevity going to be you get somebody like Ja Rule who sold like 30 million albums and has hits 
hours yeah. worth of hits, and people just want to have fun. There's something to be said for that. I went to the Alternative Press Music Awards. Alternative Press Magazine does a music award show in Cleveland now. It's really fun to cover. Yeah. And uh, it's basically just the, the Oscars, the Grammys, but, like, for Warp Tour. Yeah. And That's Sum crazy. 41 That's crazy. did, like, a medley, like, three, four, five songs, just all their hits. And I was like, I didn't even know I liked Sum 41. Right. But then I heard five <laughs> of their hits in a row, and I was like... Oh my god! Like I love some forty one. Like, as I'm saying, and back then you might have been like, ah, oh, some forty one's kind of corny. Right? Maybe you didn't. Maybe they weren't like the other. But then you listen to them now, and you're like, okay, this was kind of dope. All those songs, I can sing along to them. It's fun. Hey man, I'm it's telling you, set for that. It's so there. It, it's crazy what what kind of stuff holds up over the years too. Like what there's some stuff that you listened to back then that you thought was the greatest thing on the planet, and then. You listen to it now, and you're like, that wasn't very good. Then there's Let's other just stuff say I was- did buy that Limp Biscuit Chocolate Starfish album. What? Enough said. Man, <laughs> dude, I don't know what made me. We started getting talking about that last night, and it was just so funny because those that sold like 10 million albums. They were the biggest thing for a second. They were the biggest thing on the planet. And that's that's why you know you have to be very humble and very you know happy. Same, same people you see on this, you know, the way up, the way, same people you see on the way down. Not to say that they're over right. or anything like that, but they're just, you know, you're only culturally relevant when you're in front of the camera for a certain amount of time. I always have like a lot of respect for any act that's able to like sustain themselves for like one, two, three decades. Dude, it's hard. Because now it's hard to get what? like two albums. If you're a rapper and you're lucky enough to become you know super famous and have hits on the radio and do these crazy tours, you know you might have a shelf life of three to five years. And it's it's nuts because it's crazy. It's sad. I mean, but that's just you know. And I think for a lot of these artists, I don't think people tell them that up front. I think they have no. a lot of people blowing them, blowing them up, a lot of, like, articles or blog posts that are, like, you know, singing their praises. And, like, rightfully so, I'm not taking anything away from anybody. But I don't think anybody says, like, there's something to be said for being able to do this for, like, 10 years. Yeah, I mean, you want to look at it as a, as a, as a job, yeah. as a career. You know, you want to – you don't want to have to – yeah, you want to make money. You want to get rich and, you know – but. I look at it more as I just want to. I want this to be a career. I don't want to just make money for a couple of years. I want to be able to do this, you know, until I can retire. Yeah. You know, look at it as a career instead of just a get rich quick scheme or a lick, as some people kind of look at it. There's a this, lot of other ways to go make money a lot faster and a lot easier than this. Right. No, for sure, man. That's what, <laughs> that's what I was saying, man. I wish I was good at like trading or something like that. I, I would have been out of here, but uh, you but know, then you mu- wouldn't have a birthday party with Twista. Right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but it's fine. You know, it, it's all good, and you know, you do what you love, and this is. You know, not many people have the opportunity to do what they love or, or you know, follow their dreams because, you know, it's scary. It's scary to do this. It's scary to take that step out and, and do it and, and, and just to be able to, to still be doing it and this this far along down the road is just a blessing. And I'm just so happy. You know, it's just it's a great thing. And it, it motivates me. And I love this. I'd be doing it whether I got paid to do it or not. Um, you know, it, it's more than just a job. To me, it's my life. So, And I'm sure you feel the same way about it. No, absolutely. Now, you don't do something like this for 10 years. No, definitely not. not love without, it. Yeah, without, without almost having to. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. How has your life changed? And I'm not trying to, like, you know, pry into your personal, but, like, you know, how has Fake Shore Drive changed your life? How has it like evolved and, and impacted who you are as a person? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's crazy. You know, it just you kind of find you find yourself in a position where I never necessarily thought that I would be in, and you know, you it was my it was always my dream to work in the music business, but to actually be doing it. And then when you look at, you're like, okay, I actually did this, and like I'm getting to meet all these people and do all these different things. It's just kind of crazy. 
and I've been around people that I never thought I would be around and, you know, people that I looked up to as a kid or younger, or, you know, five, ten years ago. Now they're showing me love and, hey, we're a big fan of what you do. It's just it's just kind of crazy to have that respect. And it's just it's just changed my life completely to the, you know, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just amazing. But, it, you know, it, it's kind of weird when, like, you know, you go out and people recognize you. And it's like I'm a behind-the-scenes guy. I'm not out there. I don't, you know, I'm not a big self-promoter or anything like that. But you go out and people might, oh, yeah, Andrew from Fake Shore, your Fake Shore Drive, this people and that. People absolutely know you. And it's, it's yeah, interesting it's crazy. because. I never look at it like that, you know. I'm just doing my job. Well, one of the things I think helps Fake Shore stand out is, like, nothing against any of the bigger sites. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like if you're, like, one of the really large players, like, in the national scene it's not one writer yeah you know it's a big it's fader yeah it's not fader featuring boom right right? and fake shore it's like it's you it's ty that's like a one two-man operation yeah and you can touch us we're out like we're out and about you can see us you know it's not like we're hiding somewhere like you know we're out and about you can see us we do events you know we give back we 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 speak to students we do a lot of different things you know you do like grammy you and i feel like yeah yeah like Really regularly because we're Facebook friends and everything like that. It's like I see regularly like, you're posting like met with this class, met with yeah, this, yeah. you know, committee, like speaking to this group. Like, you know, why is it important to do that stuff, even though I know you would do it regardless? I mean, I think I think people who have information or are in the position to help people or put people on and don't, I think they're suckers. I think, you know, you, if you have the opportunity to help people and spread knowledge and, and uplift others, you should definitely do that. You know, if you can give back in that way, um, if you don't, what are you doing? Because a lot of people are very insecure. Like, well, I can't give out this information. I can't tell this person because they could come take my job or they could take me out. But that, that's not how it should be. It's, you know. You, Doing this keeps you in it longer. Hey, that's what I think. But just sharing the love and spreading it and, and spreading the knowledge. And, you know, just because <laughs> you give people the information on how to do it doesn't mean they're actually going to be able to do it. No. You know what I mean? Not, excuse me. Not everybody's going to have the drive or the will to do it. But I always, as I've gotten older, especially after having a kid and, and, and you know, you kind of look at things differently. You look at life differently and you think, okay, what kind of legacy am I going to, to leave on after, after I'm gone, after I'm done? You know, how do I want people to view what we did? Did we do more good than harm? Right. You know what I mean? Did, were we able to help people? Were we able to inspire people and, and give people a chance and, 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 and do these things? And, I, and I, I, I believe that if you're in a position to help people and give back, you should definitely do that. No, I, I feel the same way, man. It was something that I had in my head for a long time in my 20s where, like, I did have, I had so many great people in Chicago. You know, Jenny Lisak from Chirp, Chris Payne from Q101. Althea Legaspi from Illinois Entertainer. The list goes on. Joey yeah. Swanson, who uh, does the electronic show at 101 WKQX now. He was at Q1. Like, all these people gave me so much insight and time yeah. and, like, all these things that I absolutely would not have been able to do anything without. And right. so... And that's great. You know what? You know what? That's that's great. Like because I never had a mentor. I never had anybody give me any information. It was like I'm so lucky. I never took it for granted. Yeah. Well, especially I think in in in, you know at least my part of the the business and hip hop and you know on the front line people are worried about okay well I can't help this person because they could potentially take my job right and I've had that a lot of times people like yeah man and people you know they 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 take your ideas or they take things that you've done and and they run with them they don't give you the credit because they don't want to lose their position they don't want to lose their job they don't want to look stupid you know so you know I've never looked at 
that way. You know, I, I've I've looked at it as, hey, you got the knowledge, spread it, be a mentor to somebody, you know, uplift others. I, I, I never had anybody help me. It was like, dude, when I started off, it was tough. You know, eventually people would start coming along and maybe throw you a bone here and there, but it wasn't like anybody was like, hey, this is how you should do this. This is how you navigate this. This, you know, I just learned from experience. You have to prove you can do it on your own most times before even people start to help. It's Ooh, like, especially man, in this rap. is when I needed the help. It's especially like- in, in rap, dude, people are not going to give you any credit for anything. People are not going going to so you have to really you know <laughs> you have to be tough you have to have thick skin you have to work really hard to gain others respect and it took a long time it just you know didn't happen overnight so you know for people because i know you get asked this all the time but like for artists who who want to become affiliated with fake show or for anybody who's like man i want to intern for fake show i want to yeah. be involved like how can pe- people be part of that story well, you know, a lot of people reach out. You know, sometimes I'll go to Twitter because we're all looking for, we're always looking for new writers and new contributors or people who might want to work for the site. But, you know, very few ever pan out. You know, people say they want to do this, they want to do that. Until but a lot of times, to be done. until there's work to be done. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, man, it's cool. I want to, I want to be affiliated. I want to help out. I want to do this. I want to do that. And then when it comes down to it, it's like, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to give, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, delegate you this task. And then they don't do it. And because they want, okay, they want to be around the artists. They want to hang out backstage. They want to, they want to be cool. They want to come to the events. They don't want to have to wait in line. They want to be seen. They want to be around. They want to access to everything, but they don't want to actually put in the work that it takes to get there. And a lot of times you'll find people that get in for the wrong way. For example, you get an intern and they might write one story, one or two things, maybe three then you start hearing how people are like shouting you out on Twitter, like, yo, shout out to Fake Shore Drive for coming to our event last night. Shout out to Fake Shore Drive for coming to the club. And you're like, I wasn't anywhere last <laughs> night. Like, Ty, were you? Ty, were you out? No? Okay, well, so people then use that to name drop to get into places and get things and do things. And, you know, I think that's all, but you need to put in the work in order yeah. for that. You can't just, you know, you can't claim it without putting in the work. Well, I think it goes back to what you're talking about, like, you know, sharing the knowledge and not being afraid that someone's going to hear you and then steal your idea because it's like, even if they, like, if I went to a nice restaurant and they gave me a, you know, printout of, like, the recipe, doesn't mean I can go home and make no. that meal. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Like, and that's the thing. People get nervous. Like, you know, you give them the tools, but can they actually build what, what you have? Yeah. Most of the time they, they can't, but at least they know kind of have an idea of what to do. I mean, I'm not saying share everything, you know. Right. Some of your magic you have to protect. You have to protect some of your magic, but at the same time, you know, I believe in education. I believe in, in you know, people being able to, to, to you know, learn and, and continue what we've built. No, man, I love it. Um, what's coming up for Fake Shore? I know, you, like, there are some things you can't talk about. Yeah, but like, we got some stuff coming up, but... Um, or, like, what are some uh, of the artists, like, you're loving, like... What's, like, what's in front of you? What are you excited about right now? As far as musically, music in the city, like culturally, anything. Man, I, you know, I think I think I'm excited to see how the, the rest of the year. It's been a crazy year for hip hop. You know, not not just Chicago, but nationwide as well. It's it's really crazy. There's just it's been a crazy year for 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 music. I mean, you've had albums from Kendrick and Drake, and you know, all these all the big names have put out albums this year for the most part. Will Kanye put one out? I don't know. <laughs> We'll see. That might end up being the new Chinese democracy or uh, or detox. Yeah, well, gee, t- the craziest thing is Dre put out an album this right. year. Right. Yeah. I mean, I never would have thought that that would happen after 16 years off the map. And I really like that album. I know, you know, critics have kind of been back and forth about it, but I really like it. Um, you know, I think, I think it's going to be exciting to see where the local scene 
takes us in the next next year. You know, we have some new players, some mm-hmm. new people that are popping up. Will they be able to, to to hang on and get there and do it? Or, you know, one thing that I think is funny when you get on, you know, Twitter or whatever and you see people like, oh, yeah, it's, it's the youth time. It's time for the kids and we're getting the old heads out of here. But what they don't realize is that every day you're getting older. And if you, you might be here right now, but and you might be considered young, but there's kids watching you that are even younger, and mm-hmm. they're plotting to take over there. And in three and years, it, it, they're going to say, and like... it's just a cycle. Yeah. It's just a cycle. And people will get you out as fast as they got you in. So, you know, I'm hoping a lot of these guys continue to flourish and, and, and make the scene look good and can make money and, and help their help put other people on and, and, you know, create more of an industry here for everybody. Well, I mean, I think what Chance has done, and it's not just Chance, but... That entire wave has been so smart about like yeah. not just not just releasing music, but doing the the mic nights, the you know the open mics, the jam nights. Yeah, all I these mean, things that like you know, ch- chance community. just in general is an inspiration to you know even you know people like me. I mean, he oh yeah, what he's doing is. He's showing you that he's he's actually taking his power and using it for good. You know, there's a, he could be doing so many other things with his time and his money and his energy than what he is doing. I mean, you know, he, he doesn't have doing, to do this. He doesn't have to do this, and hardly anybody has done what he's doing for their community in the history of just music in general, not just hip hop, yeah. anything. You know, he truly cares about the youth of the city. He truly cares about you know um, helping people and and giving people an opportunity. So. You know, somebody like that, sky's the limit. You know, he he'll probably end up being mayor one day. Dude, that's a that's a crazy thought. We got this recorded. We're yeah, gonna, man. I mean, visit this like two thousand twenty-one. Listen, man. I think you know he it, politics is in his blood. So yeah, you know, and, and sky's he, the limit for him. He just met with Obama the other day. Right, it's crazy. Yeah. And you know, he has a really smart team. You know, yes. Vic, Vic Mensa too, man. You know, the, those guys have really good. They have really smart people around them. Um, you know, and it's nice to see when people are able to build. You know, really good, strong teams. Um, you know, because yeah. that's what it takes. I think a lot of people like to say, "Oh, I did this on my own. I did this on my own." But man, no, it takes it, a team it takes a whole effort. bunch of people to 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 make stuff happen. So it's 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 great to see you know all these guys that I I've known since they were young kids and you know taking the bus to try to come to the fake shore drive office. <laughs> now they're they're driving expensive cars and so it's good. You know, you can't yeah. make it. You just have to work really hard. And these guys have put, definitely put in that time and effort to do so. Right on, man. Um, how are we doing? How are we doing on time? Oh, we got like five minutes. We got five minutes. We got five minutes unless you want to kick me off now. Okay. Hold on. What? Greg? Okay. Did you say anything? Okay. See, I was very prompt. I was on here on time. (laughs) And I brought champagne. So you guys have to celebrate (laughs) after this is over. Are you throwing shade at Greg Corner? (laughs) I'm not not even throwing. Oh, dude, I love Greg, but I am throwing shade at him. So you can tell him that. Greg Corner, if you're watching this, if you're reading this, it's too late. No, just come through. You're done. I just just dissed you on Dynasty X. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Man. What are you going to do? You're going to be exhausted by the end of the day. Okay, can I tell you something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My initial, I had this idea in my head for a while. And my initial idea, up until like a month ago, straight up, I was like, we're gonna do 24 hours. Yeah, I remember when you, you pitched me. You pitched me that. Yeah, like, I was like, can Yo, you do, do an hour? Act? I'm like, oh yeah, I can do an hour. You know, I was I like, do you want to curate an hour? Like, bring an artist. And I really had this whole vision of like, we're gonna do 24 hours. And then everybody I know who's like much smarter than me is like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, dude, like, 24. Why would you? Yeah. So we we what are you doing? Eight? We're doing ten. Ten, 10 hours. years. Ten years. Ten years. Ten uh-huh. hours. That's like, good. And we folded up with such great people. Like. You know, I fifteen mean, to thirty minutes. You got Spina coming on. That's we so got Spina. <laughs> I didn't want it to just be artists. I didn't want it yeah. to just be like, 
you know, just rock groups. Right. Just show rappers, you sucks like, coming on. I mean, show you sucks he's, coming he's on. Gonna be fun. Uh, you got a lot of you got a lot of great people coming up, man. So you know, it's, we got it's, Spina. Yeah, that's gonna be. It's blast. so funny that you got Spina coming. I love. We got Spina. Eastman um, and the 1833 crew. Oh, they're, coming they're up. coming up today. Oh boy, yeah. You're gonna. That's a big day, man. You got a lot of personalities. We do, and we're closing out with Local H, which I just could not be more excited about. They're. I mean, you want to talk about longevity and, and being a legend in and out of Chicago. It's right. Like local H of Gen and all. So. Right. Nobody yeah, from man. Q101? Anybody from Q101? We got in? Chris. So, okay, dig this. We got Chris Payne. Okay. Um, you know, who I, I, for people who don't know, I worked with Chris Payne for 13 years at Q101. We worked on the local music show that aired Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Yeah. So Chris Payne is coming up at 9 p.m. to co-host the last hour with me. Okay. It's that same hour we worked on for That's know, crazy. Like over a decade. And Local H was one of our one of our most frequent guests we're basically doing a little like you know when a band does a reunion but they don't use the official name of it you right, know it's right like, right you gotta call it something different right but but we got Chris Payne and Local H doing the last you know what's hour. crazy is that we were probably at Q101 at the same time and just yeah. never met never knew each other I was just a bottom I of the barrel I was buried on the weekends yeah that was my strategy that was my survival strategy you know like in a horror franchise when there's like the one character who's made it through all seven movies like <laughs> I was there on the weekends at night, and every time they cleaned house, went fire everybody. Like I was, you met, you survived. I survived, and straight up when they, when they cleared everyone out when it stopped being Q one hundred and one. This is a true story. When they cleared everyone out and stopped being Q one hundred and one, some of the weekend staff was on board still. Like they kept us, um, and I, my understanding is like, okay, they need a couple people to help the new team learn the boards, and right. I was fine. Like I helped the new team at this. It was a new station for a minute. I helped them for a couple weeks, like learn the boards, learn the studio, and one day I'm just like. So why are we still here? Like, what happened? Like, why did some of us get kept on? And straight up, this is the official answer they got. They go, oh, we just forgot to fire you guys. Wow. So my, my strategy That's worked cr- a little too well. But like, you, you flew forgot. so far under the radar that yeah. they didn't even know they still had you on payroll. Yeah, so that was my su- survival strategy. That's how I was there for 13 years. But yeah, we never, you know, it was like a one of these lost flashbacks where, like, we probably walked past each other in the hallway and had no idea. I had no clue because I was there, man. We, they used to send us all over. We'd have to get in the... Man, well, what, they had some big SUV that we well, used they to had ride. Well, Mobile One. They did. I would ride around in the Mobile One, and then they had another SUV that we would ride around. It was like an ex- expedition, I think. Yeah. And I would go to all, we would be in the suburbs doing events. We used to go to Amateur Night at like some strip club called Diamonds out in the suburbs. We'd have course. to work that with, with uh, Al Roker Jr. <laughs> no doubt. I was going to say, I yeah, know that's Yeah, what. man. A lot, there was a lot of characters over there. And, yeah. You know, I definitely um, earned my stripes having to go get Man Cow breakfast. He'd be like, hey, intern, go get me some breakfast. And, and well, that. he was such a dick. <laughs> radio <laughs> radio personalities in the 90s they were like wrestling it was like yeah, wrestling man. like they were these big large than yeah, life yeah and now you have like someone on Instagram who has 50 million followers and that's the like that's the that's the, the measure of success or some they, they may not make any money doing it but they and, you know and they're not who knows where they are in the middle of nowhere but they have you know 500,000 Instagram it's just crazy it's yeah. crazy what the internet can do yeah it is man and but you know fake shore drive is something that you've been able to build and really build something that really means something in the digital age and has been able to endure, which again, man, is not it's tough. It's not easy and that's I've seen a lot really of people come and go, man. And yeah. I'm not trying to toot my own horn. It's just it's a tough thing to, to keep going and keep relevant and you know, keep yeah. growing. It's it's tough. So we're just trying to do as much as we can to, to keep the ball rolling, do new things, keep it fresh, keep it exciting because you know things can get stagnant. You don't ever want to get stagnant. Dude, so you always I, have to keep it fresh. You know, absolutely you have to reinvent all the time. Otherwise because no matter how much people love you today, like in it two weeks, matter. they're going to be like, what? You know? Circle right back to what we kicked this off, talking about Limp Biscuit, chocolate starfish, <laughs> and the hot dog flavored water. Man, I love that that's the, the kind of takeaway. I can't like, even believe be I brought Biscuit. that up. I had to. I mean, it was, 
was looking at the the video and they had it. It was like Cisco was there and like just all these ridiculous Vern Troy, all these ridiculous early two oh, thousand nineties, yeah, dude, yeah, all these yeah, early sure early two thousand, yeah, all these ridiculous people from that era were there, man. So you know, try not to end up like Vern Troyer. <laughs> No, I can't wait no till like I'm posting this as a podcast. I'm writing up the description. I'm just like Andrew Barber comes and talks about the highs and lows that come with the entertainment industry. Citing Limp, Limp Biscuit as an example. Man, I'm, no, I'm not even dissing Limp Biscuit. I love you guys, man. Shout out, shout out to Fred Durst and <laughs> everybody else. Let's see DJ if this can get an MTV.com article. <laughs> Fake short drive goes on internet radio show. This is Limp Biscuit. Oh, dude, I'm not even dissing them, man. They got some. No. They got some good songs, man. Hey, I'm man, not even dissing. Other was a that was a jam. Like, I don't even know why we're talking beast. about Limp. It's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> they, I hope they're still on Cash Money, man. They're, my, they're still on man. Cash Money Records. There you go. We'll see if they're still on there or not. But. Who knows? Maybe next year we're going to be like, man, I did not see that Limp Bizkit comeback coming, but that record is brilliant. Like that Barber Arcade knew. Fire like collaboration. Barber yeah. knew. He knew it was coming. <laughs> he knew it was going to blow up. Awesome, man. Well, I know you got to get out of here. I don't want to hold no, you up. No, what are you talking about? I'm going to stay all day, man. I'm just going to sit over here and just keep Dude, you are, you are more than welcome to. I think by the end we're going to like have this whole room full up so we'll see what happens do you think it's going to turn into a party at the end of the day <clears throat> we'll see we'll see I you got to crack you got to crack the champagne i don't drink oh that's right we yeah, will yeah, you use don't drink. it though we yeah, will 100% yeah. you, some, use it. you gotta give it to somebody to drink tonight. i will somebody the last has to hour drink chris payne local h if you're cool with me passing it on to them like, yeah give we it will, to them that's what it's for yeah you know put it on ice Put it, will. The, yeah, put, it, put it in the red bull plug red bull cooler. put it in the red bull cooler and let it get iced up yeah no for real man um Dude, thank you so much. I really oh, like honor, significantly. Man. It means so much. You know, we did our first interview. I think it was two thousand nine, on the podcast. <laughs> what was the first? What did we do? Was that a, a rocket? Was that the first one? No, we did a phoner for the oh. podcast. I think in like two thousand nine when right. like you know not not to toot my own horn, but it's like fake shore was like one of the things that was cool and coming up. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. Now it's like. Fake Shore Drive, you know, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah, you gave us a shot. I appreciate that. But I mean, I'm mine, man. I appreciate that you've always been so, so more than willing to like come back, do panels, do workshops, do like whatever we're doing because we we have you on a lot, and it really means a lot that someone like you who has so much on your plate comes and takes the time for this, man. I oh really man, no, it. dude, it's a pleasure. Congratulations on ten years, man. It's it's, it's fantastic. You know, here's to ten more. And dude, in two years, like. Let's do like some kind of big industry discussion or something. Got to do something for ten. For, I don't for know what it's going to be. Maybe I'll maybe I'll do twenty four hours. Maybe, Talk, maybe I'll do twenty four hour interview. <laughs> Headline by Limp Bizkit. Yeah, dude, come on. You know him. Call him. Get him over here. Let's all go. All right, Fred Durst. If you're watching this, it's not too late. Dude, we're going to do all the songs. We're going to do the one with Method Man. We're going to do the one with Exhibit. We're going to uh, do all the together hit. now. <laughs> what? What a hit. That's a good song, man. I can't believe we're talking about. Limp I can't Bizkit. believe this I didn't is know like that where was going to happen went. today. It's this is how it's starting. Listen, man, I, I hope anybody can top that. I bet nobody else brings up LB today. LB. <laughs> LB. Call, you know, that's how we refer to him. So. Right on, man. That is awesome. Yeah, so thank you. I appreciate it. No, dude, thank you. Okay, I really cool. love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have a poster over here. If you could sign that. Yeah, Roger absolutely. Direct you to that. Thank you. I'll dude. do it. Thanks, man. Appreciate awesome. it. Thank yep, you so much. Yep, yep. Absolutely. Sweet. So, well, I think you got another guest, oh, yeah. another guest here. Okay. All right, so we're going to take a 30-second break. We can keep the stream going. I'm just going to step out. All right, cool. Awesome. Like, how incredible was that? Andrew Barber from uh, Fake Shore Drive just really dropping knowledge on, on so many things, longevity in this industry, giving back, mentorship, the changing face of Chicago, and more than anything, Limp Biscuit. That is 
Who knew that that's where this was going to start today? So, all right, that's a little flavor of kind of what we're doing with Dynasty X here today. I can't believe it's already, what is it, like 1 p.m.? Wow. All right, so we got one hour down. We only got nine more to go. Um, that's incredible. So, okay. <laughs> Let's see how, how, like, how punch drunk, like, slap happy I am by the end of this. Not actual drunk, because I don't drink, but... Let's see how close I come to kind of channeling that either way. Um, all right, so we have Martin Atkins coming up here in just a moment. He's going to be in here. Um, Prove, Ingrid, do you guys want to jump on that mic real quick? Like, give us your thoughts on how it's going so far? You don't have to. Uh, maybe in a bit. <laughs> maybe in a bit. Okay, all right. So, again, I, I need to give a shout-out. Prove and Ingrid and Audrey and Mary, I have an awesome team here today who are running everything behind the scenes. Like Andrew said, it's, it's not something you can do on your own, man. Like, it's really about having a great team, and I'm really, really fortunate to have really great, talented, ambitious, young, creative people who are kind of keeping us afloat here, running everything that you don't see off camera. Um, and I'm just enormously indebted to these people today and, you know, prior to this and after this because everybody's done a lot of awesome work to get us to doing this broadcast today. So like I said, we have Martin Adkins coming on in just a moment. Martin Adkins from SAE Institute, um, Public Image Limited, uh, Nine Inch Nails, Killing Joke. He's done everything. Martin Adkins is a living legend in Chicago and beyond. Come on in. Hey, <clears throat> legend? That just makes me sound old. No, no, absolutely not. Well, slightly. <laughs> where, do you, where do you want me? I, wherever. Like Any a, of these mics. Wow. It's like you set up for the Beatles. <laughs> well, you know, we have really great people coming in. We had Andrew, we have you, we have um, we have Chris Payne and Local H hosting together oh, at the end. You're welcome cool. to come out for that if you want at 9 p.m. I'm going to be asleep by now. Yeah. I was in New Orleans for the last three days going crazy, learning about geo-fencing. What is that? It's like fencing made of social media. So you can just say, you could just target this room or Grant Park or Lollapalooza or something and suck all of the social media out of that area, analyze it. So if everybody's saying about, I don't know, the Smashing Pumpkins, I love this cello player. I'm just riffing now. Don't sure. write in saying they don't have a cello player. Um, then you can respond in real time and then tweet everybody saying, hey, we're doing a meet and greet with the cellist afterwards, blah, blah. It's, it's completely nuts. Shout out cellist. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, Martin Adkins, one of the things, we're going to talk about all the cool things you do, but one of the things that I love about you and your work and what you do is that more than maybe anyone I know, you are so devoted and dedicated to always exploring new new technologies, new platforms, new industries, new people doing things. You're always looking for what's next. Like, where does that come from? Why is it something that, you know, you're, you're always so interested in, like, what the new version of something is? I think it was punk. I think that's what punk was. Like, what is this? So with Pill, 1979, <clears throat> with, you know, I played on one song on the Metal Box, and it's like, we're all going to the mastering session. I'm like, well, what, what on? Can I swear? Yeah, yeah I absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Fuck, I can swear. <laughs> so, uh, look, mastering. What's that? So yeah. we're in the mastering session, and that's where the labels would like change the complete presentation of your music. You know, 
and we just made sure the bass was like thunderously huge. I'm like, okay, wow. Just and then you start to experiment. We we moved into dub and reggae, and you know I ended up starting my own label. And then you'd like, okay, how would a studio affect this? What's going on with the studios? And then on tour with Ministry, we're experimenting with triggering and samplers. And then uh, Butch Vig calls me. What were you doing? I want to use that with garbage. So what was punk became the mindset of experimentation and industrial, which was then absorbed into pop and then hip hop, yeah. MPC sixties, man. You know, so well, I don't know where it comes from, but to me, this I'm starting to feel this um, knowledge gap isn't the right word, or maybe it is a mindset gap between artists who want to complain and there's no time to complain and have an open mind about what's going on in the future because your mindset is that's wrong let's dial it back you know and there are more there are more bands who are just moving forwards and leaving the other artists in the dirt a little bit yeah no and i think we are really seeing like andrew barber and i were talking about chance the rapper chance the rapper somebody who keeps trying different things you know his his breakthrough record, Acid Rap, was like, it was very much like a certain style. And then his follow-up, Surf, that he did with a number of his collaborators, completely different. He's inspired by the Lion King Broadway musical. He's doing jam nights and open mic nights. And it's like, he's not just doing, he's not making the same, it's not raging against the machine. He's not doing the same thing over and over and over again that worked one time and, and just coasting off that. And, and I love that that's what you do, is that you're always like venturing into these kind of new new territories so talk to me about chance for a second where do you think <clears throat> that's headed i love chance uh, no. andrew just i think andrew now that he's like i could see chance being mayor of chicago one day <laughs> yeah it's, okay I, I think in a music business context yeah and i'm wondering what the deal is that he's going to sign you know i don't know i think it's it's anyone's guess where he goes next because he he's such a kind of not wild card like crazy, but it's like he just keeps, he's playing by his own rules 100%, you know? Right. So that's, then he is much more of a feather in the cap for any label that signs him. Right. Any label that signs him for five times what he's worth, right? And if that's the game he's playing, he's a smart guy. If you can sell something for five times what it's worth, right, which he could sell himself for that. Absolutely then what are the benefits of that extra four times what he's worth? What could he do with that versus not doing that versus what could a label do that signs Chance that could say, how good of a label are we? Are we trustworthy? We sign Chance. It implies that they went through this insane new vetting process. I don't know. I, I think it's too easy to say he will never sign I'm wondering who he might sign with, under what circumstances. Well, I know, you know, with uh, with Vic Mensa, you know, obviously another enormous Chicago talent, like, he signed to Rockefeller, which is Jay-Z's label, and I know, you know, from using this as a, as a lesson plan in my classes at Columbia, like, they courted him extensively. It was a long-term process that, whether he was playing hard to get or whether he was genuinely disinterested, Vic was basically like, I don't need you at all. And they, they really had to, like, right. go after it. So do you know where my first starting point for that strategy is? Where? Spandau Ballet. Okay, explain. 1980-something. It's <laughs> like, uh, 
this is also do the opposite, DTO. So bands in London, anybody from, hey, we're from EMI, come on, VIP ticketing, here's some champagne, how are you feeling? Not Spandau Ballet, EMI, yeah, no, you you can't come in. What do you mean we can't come in? I'm from Melody Maker, yeah, fuck off. No, uh, uh, Capitol Records, yeah, no, go fuck yourself. They just (laughs) told everybody to fuck off. People went nuts. Yeah. It's the same. I don't want to sound like a jaded old fuck. No, but, but it's the same stuff. I more stuff like that. Um, I just saw this unfortunate scenario with Alex Wiley going on at the moment in closed sessions. I don't know if you've seen that. Just you know the usual um, um, wronged artist upset with label, and Alex Wiley tweeted, you know, give me back my babies referring to his master tapes. Mm-hmm. And I just read a book called uh, Suing the Beatles for Fun and Profit. Um, Baby, I'm a Rich Man by Stan Sucha. I read it on the plane coming back from New Orleans. And here's Paul McCartney in 1985 talking to ATV Music Publishing, Give Me Back My Babies. And it's like, man, if you don't understand the past and educate yourself, we're both educators, you are doomed to repeat it. There is a there's a comic writer named Brian Michael Bendis. He writes from Marvel Comics. He's done Spider Man, The Avengers, The X Men, the big, big names. My favorite writer, and he had this great quote. You know, he has this Tumblr. It's a great Tumblr. You should look at it. You'd like it, even if you're not a comic writer. He has this great Tumblr where he answers all the questions he gets, and it's very inspirational, just about creativity, perseverance. And somebody asked him how he writes the character of Beast. Beast is um, Hank McCoy from the X Men. He's the smartest you know, doctor, he's, he's the smartest member of the X-Men. He's a genius. And they said, how do you write someone like Beast? Because, you know, he's a genius. How do you write that? And he says, with characters like that, I think of what somebody smarter than me would do, and then I do that. <laughs> and I, I really, that stuck with me, and I'm, I think about that sometimes, and I think about, like, you know, someone like like Andrew Barber, someone like you, someone like Chris Payne. I think, I'm what would somebody... smarter than you. Are you yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think, like, what would someone smarter than me do? And I fact that into my decision-making... You know, because sometimes I think it's really healthy to admit, I don't know everything. There's people smarter than me. Why don't I try to be like the people who I look up to, you know? You know you know what I saw? It's been kind of a busy week for music business shit. Um, I saw, uh, I, what is it, who's the bass player in Babes in Toyland? I'm not sure. Maureen somebody. Any research people? Maureen, <laughs> the bass player from Babes in Toyland. Right. So, Can we she, get the, the name of the bass player from Babes in Toyland? All right. And her phone number? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's 80s rock bullshit. Um, but uh, um, so she, she got the band back together, mm-hmm. did some crowdfunding. Fun, I think they found like people who are now at Google who are Babes in Toyland fans who funded rehearsals, and now they're doing all these festivals, and they fired her. They fucking fired her. And her Facebook post is stunning in its uh, its openness and, like, inspirational. I, I, I wrote to her and I said, I wish I'd read this before I quit all of the bands that I quit, you know, because it was just... Oh, Maureen Herman. Herman. Yes. I was like, I know Thank it's not you. Courtney Love you're talking about. Thank you, Audrey. Yeah, that's yeah. She's not inspirational, but um, but uh, and I then, love that we're riffing on the night. Like Andrew was talking about Limp Biscuit, and now we're going to Courtney Love. Okay, so keep going. Yeah. So uh, so she left under 
really nicely. Like mm. she, she, the her several paragraphs were nothing but amazingly positive. And anybody can be positive when good things are happening. The true test is to be positive when you've just been fired from the band you helped resurrect. Yeah. And and then. <clears throat> And she said that the greatest gift that she treasured was being able to perform in front of her kids, which really resonated with me. And then, then the fans went crazy. Like, she's awesome. They are quadruply horrifying to have fired this awesome person. And then she posted again that said, hey, don't, um, don't knock this new 20-year-old bass player they've hired. Um, it was great for me to play bass with... Uh, I've forgotten the names of the other people in the band. It gave me goosebumps, and she'll get goosebumps too. And it, I'm like, oh my god! Yeah. I'm going to be in a band with Maureen now, you know, just to be around that kind of amazing energy, which is so rare in this business. It is. I mean, you've been, you know, I was I was asking uh, Andrew Barber about this, but you've been able to adapt and evolve in this industry, and and not just music, but education technology just like you've been able to really pursue all of these kind of like i guess what we call like liberal arts you know all these humanities um how have you been able to do that because you know like like andrew and i were talking about it is a it is so hard to have a career that lasts one or two years now let alone decades and let alone being able to consistently evolve and reinvent yourself i well i didn't choose i didn't decide to do it you know I think I thought that music careers were like a five-year thing. Um, uh, you know, I started teaching by accident. It would be easy for me to say, well, I evolved into books and the written word, blah, right, blah, you're blah. you're author, yeah. Well, I started, te- I started teaching by accident and I wrote my first book not by accident but as a, as a week-by-week response to a need um, in, the, in the touring class I was teaching. So... Um, these are all just experiments. Actually, I remember um, being in China. Um, I was making a documentary, signing a bunch of bands and producing bands and thinking, this is amazing. I've got to finish. I must get Tour Smart finished just so it's out of the way. And then, because I thought the Chinese music scene was going to explode. And it kind of didn't. And Tour Smart did. So I think that um, having several avenues open, not being one-dimensional, is the way to have some longevity. I mean, I'm actually talking about playing my drums again. Uh, I did some drums three weeks ago at a party for the end of a creative space called Center for the Lost Arts, which uh, Charles from Kickstarter put up a month-long makerspace. And... I didn't do anything at all to help with that except set up four and a half drum kits for the closing party and play my drums because I wanted to. And there were drones. I mean, it was just cool as hell. So I think the key to my um, longevity is not just doing one thing. Yeah. No, I think it's a really brilliant strategy. And it's something that, you know... I have, I've been actively trying to do that for a while and not just, not just do radio, but do podcasting, <laughs> do journalism. And, and, you know, like I saw people like you and, and Alex Fruchter and Justin Sinkovich who are music guys 
who have these minds that that work in being able to teach, you know, move into that space. And I was fortunate enough to get that opportunity now. So it's like that's something that I've I've really been trying to emulate for a long time. Is like I I didn't I knew in radio I was like either one day this won't be here or I won't. And both those things ended up coming true. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to still be able to be in this space, you know. But it's it's hard. Right. But I think the education, to be in the field of education is almost like that's a, that's a great, uh, if you care, and you do and I do and the people we know do, if you care about your students, then you're going to kind of spend a Sunday looking at stuff. Reading, I read a book yesterday. I, I really loved it. I'm like going, okay, how can I, through this Alex Wiley situation, ring the bell for education, ring the bell for studying the past and understanding it, but also make it relevant to somebody now who's like, I don't want to study the Beatles. What does this have to do with me? Just mind-boggling stuff. Once you're in it, I think it naturally unfolds. I was asked to do... Um, a social media mindset lecture up in Canada. Like, this was like eight years ago. And I'm like, okay. And I started to look into that. And that became a class, and it became half of my contemporary marketing class. You know? So things just happen when you're in it that don't when you're not. Right? And, you know, one of my students at Columbia gave me Matt Mason's Pirate's Dilemma. Like, hey, have you read this book? I'm like, no. So by being in that field, it becomes, if you're open, it becomes um, a very fueling situation to be in. Well, and I think there's something to really be said, too, for having, you know, contributors and and collaborators who are younger than you. Everybody who's helping me here is, is younger than me, and I have this awesome team. They're all Columbia students who are right here. In this room, I have four Columbia students who, uh, who a lot of them approached me, you know. Um, my producer right here, Ingrid, who... There we go. Ingrid, yeah. You know, she was my student, and she was 18 years old last year in one of my classes. And, you know, I talk about my podcast in the classes sometimes. She knew that I was doing it, and she approached me and asked if I needed help with audio editing, and I did. And, and, you know, she was 18 at the time, coming in to be ambitious with that. Um, Prove I met coming into one of his classes to speak. It was one of Alex, Alex Fructor's classes, actually. And, and you so, you know, to. it goes on. Um, I can take selfies and talk. Yeah. So it goes on. But, you know, having this, this great young team. Yeah, if we could get Martin a water or Red Bull. Um, having, like, younger contributors and collaborators, like, who are so passionate and, like, and creative and ambitious. Like, it really, it did nothing but help the podcast and help me. And I've learned so much from them. And it's such a cliche to be like, oh, I learned from my students. But it's, it's really true. Right. Plus, I think that I... I I'm, I'm writing some stuff down about this. Like, the, the, the power of I don't know is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't fucking know. I mean, how, I mean I'm, I'm, learning, I'm learning every day. And if you can tell your students, if you have this attitude that you don't know everything, yeah. then you're way more approachable. Like, hey, have you seen this? What about that? Do you know about this? Like, holy shit, I don't. Let's go and learn about that together. That's why I interview so many people on the on the podcast. That's why I interview people like you and, and Greg Corner and Andrew Barber and, and Chris Payne and, and all these people who, again, have done so much creative work because it's like there's so much I, I don't know. And I want to talk to other people. I want to talk to students. I want to talk to artists. I want to talk to industry and educators. 
because I want to be better myself and learn from them. So let me ask you a question. Ten years, right? Is there something that keeps coming up that an artist will say, if only this, I shouldn't have done this, I wish I hadn't done that, I wish I had this in my tool belt before I did that? Is there something, that a recurring theme? There are, I think there are definitely recurring themes. I think it's been more maybe positive leaning, but, you know, recurring themes. You know, I do a lot of workshops and panels just like you, and, and you know, you, hear, you start hearing the same things over and over, not because they're cliche, but because they're true. You know, the things about, like, just go do it. Like, don't wait for someone to give you permission. Yep. Start making something. Like, go talk to people. And these are all kind of things, like, like the equivalent of when your parents would tell you as a kid, like, eat your vegetables, don't sit too close to the TV, and you go, whatever, whatever. And it's like, they're telling those things because they're true. And you hear, I definitely hear things repeated on the podcast from different people who don't know each other or aren't, you know, saying the same thing because of each other. And it's because, you know, there are certain truths that, like, successful creative people adhere to, you know. And what have you, so, 10 years, man, so... Congratulations! I'm sure Thank everybody's going to say, "Holy shit!" <laughs> I think I did. I did my band smart radio every week for a year, and it was like, "Oh my lord!" It's a you huge know, task. It's crazy. So, how has Chicago changed in ten years? Well, you know, I've I, I've been very very fortunate because I've been in a position where Chicago has been my focus with my with my work, you know, professionally and, and personally. You know, working on local one on one with Chris Payne working at Illinois Entertainer, which is a very local-focused magazine, doing Dynasty Podcast, which is local-focused. So, yeah, it it is something I've paid a lot of attention to. And one of the things that I've seen about Chicago is that it's a city that's always reinventing itself. You know, in in the 80s, it was was industrial in-house. In the 90s, you have the explosion of Smashing Pumpkins and then, you know, kind of that second wave of, like, Urge Overkill and Mm -hmm. and then Veruca Assault and Local H. And then you have Fall Out Boy and, and Rise Against and The Academy Is at the same time Kanye West and Twista are happening and then you have Flostradamus happening and you know like I'm not saying anything anyone doesn't know but it's like you could ask 10 different people of different ages like you know when did Chicago music blow up and they're going to give you a different answer Mm -hmm. for someone it's Siamese Dream for someone it's Chance for someone it's Kanye for someone it's Fall Out Boy and it's like none of those answers are wrong but I just think it's interesting that every two to four years Chicago something happens Something that no one saw, you know, it's the Orwells, it's whatever. And it becomes like, this is what the city means right now. But two years from now, something totally different is going to come out. And right. It's going to be that. For me, it was uh, <clears throat> industrial. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, I, so I came up through punk in London, and then, and that was good for a while and interesting. I came to Chicago, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Wax <laughs> Tracks was crazy. I'm going, so jealous. You know, uh, ministry, the revolting coast. Well, it's the same fucking band. Everybody's everybody's playing on everybody's records, and there's this whole scene. You know, unfortunately, as you take several steps back, we did a music business documentary all day last week. And man, I'm going to recommend anybody who wants to get into the business. There's 20 books you should read, and 10 documentaries you should see. So we watched 24 Hour Party People, Artifact. Artifact is, is great. Oh, we watch that in every class I teach. I, I want to do that with Nerf uh, dart guns. Or, <laughs> or, as I said online, flaming bags of shit that people can throw at the screen when the EMI people come on. <laughs> um, and they rip those guys to shreds a and couple the, times uh, in the dock. And, and they, then they and sign you with cheer. them. And then they sign yeah, with them. And then they sign with them. And I'm looking them. at my students where they're like, oh, no, no, hold on. 
They just signed with EMI again. The the villains. Right. Like, yes, they did. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, upside down, the creation record story. The guy signs Oasis and runs out of money. <laughs> like, how do you do that? You know, Alan McGee would like tweeted while we were watching that, which was insanely awesome. Um, uh, 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 Rock the Bells. Alex Fructor recommended that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know he loves that one. Downloaded is that one of them? That's that's what we didn't watch it on on Sunday, but and uh, Pie Eyed Pizza sent a bunch of pizzas over for us, which is like. This is just awesome. We tried to get them. We tried for a week, and they, they did not have any interest in doing the podcast. Or, like, no. it, it just didn't happen. No. Did yeah. you talk to Ian? I don't know. My One of my producers talked to them. We, oh. we tried. We tried a couple times, and they just they didn't do it. We really wanted a pizza sponsor. By the way, we're doing this for eight more hours, so if somebody's out there that's a pizza company, <laughs> you, you like, look, we've got Red Bull. We're not afraid to throw your name out there. Like, if somebody wants to send us some pizza... We're at the public hotel. Like, tweet at Dynasty Podcast. We'll get back to you. Pizza sponsors, hit us up. What a great opportunity. Like, somebody could send up some room service, for instance. Yeah. But this is where my experience kicks in, right? So I'm here. Everybody's, like, on it. (laughs) There's still Red Bull. Six or seven hours from now, you'll have, like, peed your pants Sitting down because you can't take a break. You'll just be talking gibberish. You won't recognize who else. <laughs> Billy from the Pumpkins will come in. You're like, look, don't bother me now. <laughs> You'll just be like losing it. That's when people will know that it's go over for me. <laughs> but actually, um, you know, uh, I think tomorrow is the anniversary of the Guinness Book of Records. So if you want to just like keep this going to like Wednesday. Well, my, my original idea, I told this to Andrew, my original idea... For a long time, I really thought I was going to do 24 hours. I really thought I was going to do 24 hours, and then all of my friends who were smarter than me were like, that's a horrible idea. And what really, like, seals that I wasn't going to do it is that, you know, the anniversary is today. It's Sunday. If we went 24 hours into Monday, I was thinking, okay, who could we get from 4 a.m. on Monday morning? And the answer is no one. No well, one in the world's coming in at 4 a.m. on Monday morning. I, well, I'm, it would be interesting. It, it would, would be maybe interesting one do, as hell. Maybe one do one day we'll do a crowdsource. Okay, this is what we're gonna do. This is the sequel to this. We're gonna we're crowdsourcing this right now. We're gonna do an all night slumber party open podcast mic, where we don't schedule any guests and we do it in a public forum and we let whoever comes on come on and we'll do it from like ten p until ten a. Doesn't that sound awful? Aren't you guys like fuck no? But okay, you can't have slumber. In event promotion. Okay, that's like, true. Well, everybody gets a pillow. Yeah. And just, you know, remove slumber. All-nighter. Oh, Dynasty podcast, all-nighter. All-nighter. All right. We're going to do that this winter. And Martin Adkins, you got to come through. Uh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll be here for the beginning. I'll do, <laughs> yeah. I'll do the, I'll do the kickoff. Off. Yeah. You know, there, was, there was some guys in England who did an all-day tweet-a-thon for their crowdfunded horror movie. Oh, I'm like, cool. Wow, what is a tweet-a-thon? And I like dialed in, you know, and they're just sitting there in some flat in London with some Christmas tree lights. I think they were falling asleep themselves. But and it's just how you present it. You know, with this, I wanted to do something really interesting because I feel like, you know, a lot of times when a blog or a magazine or somebody, you know, hits an anniversary, and I'm not, I'm not trying to knock this, I just didn't want to pursue this, they do a show. They do a show at a venue with maybe some really great talent. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's like people come to the show for three hours and they leave. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm like, you know, we're so digital focused and we're so spoken focused. I'm like, let's do a live podcast and let's not just do it for an hour. Like, let's do it 
you know, now for 10 hours, not 24, but like, let's make it count. Let's get 50 guests. Let's invite everybody. And we, we send out invites to, to everyone who's ever been on the podcast almost. We went, we went big. We reached out to Fall Out Boy, um, you know, Corrigan, like a lot of the big names who have been on and like some people got back to us and they were busy and I didn't seriously expect them to make time, but I thought like, let's just shoot for the moon because why not? And we got an incredible lineup today. You know, if I could make a suggestion, not to knock the slumber party idea, but I'd love to see like a little book, a book of the podcast. Yeah, Just I think some that's, pictures that's one of the and, things we need to do. You know, um, I'm sure you have pictures of the first couple. I don't think we have a lot of pictures back then because phones in 2005, like <gasps> phones didn't have cameras. Wow. I still have the first recordings, but we don't have wow. almost any pictures. We have minimal pictures, not none, but minimal. But, wow. you know, I think a book, a book is something I've thought about in my head a couple times that I'm just like, I want to find the right format and the right idea. You know, I mean, you've been so like, you've done so well with putting out books. Like you've, you've really nailed this, this way of, channeling so much like crazy music energy and putting it on the written page and you have it's band smart is that the next one that's coming out yeah i'm trying to finish it today wow yeah and it keeps getting complicated because you know uh the crowdfunding chapter was awesome i successfully crowdfunded band smart Mm -hmm. so i know about kickstarter i know charles from kickstarter and then i met uh vlad from rocket hub and um the uh who else oh Benji from Pledge so I'm like I wanted to include that and then um, Katie from Indiegogo was in town now helping people so I wanted to include that information it just keeps getting better but it's time to put the lid on it and and be done with it and go on to the next one yeah well I know we have Greg Corner in here Um, so we Greg do you want to come in sure we'll have a little bit of like crossover I think you've Hey, Greg, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you, man. You missed uh, Andrew Barber riffing on Limp Biscuit for 40 minutes. I don't know how that hey, was the interview, I'll, but... You know what? I, I would have had their back. Yeah, no, no. Because there was a lot of praise. It was a lot of praise oh, for Limp Biscuit. Oh, a lot Biscuit. of praise? Yeah. Okay. I don't know because, why we started like, with that, I, but... I hated them for a long time, and then I toured with them in Australia. Really? And they won me over. So Kill Hannah toured with Limp Biscuit? Kind of. It was like the Soundwave Festival. Right, you know, okay. So it was a big thing. Um, but they went on before... Marilyn Manson, Slipknot, and System of a Down, and they destroyed all of them. That's they had how they won you over. Yeah, that, like they just like they were like so tight. They, like it, it, I just missed that in live music. Like they were like just had a bunch of energy, like super tight band. They aren't all the best musicians, but as a band, they're like so solid. And yeah. they have some songs. Yeah, and the crowd is it's, it's just undeniable. Undeniable. Yeah. 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 Um, this is awesome. Thank you for coming up, Greg. You know we we. You're our third guest today. We had Andrew Barber, now we have Martin, and now you're here. Um, Show You Suck and Lily Kay are going to be on the way. All right. Um, yeah, so we, we tried to go really big today. We tried to bring in really great people. How are you doing, man? I'm all right. Uh, I'm sorry I'm a little late. No, it's fine. Thanks it's fine. for filling up the time. We got 10 <laughs> hours. We're babbling. Yeah. It's my ninth Red Bull. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we got Red Bull. We got water. Anything you want, man. Um, what's going on with, with you? Like You're so busy all the time now. Um, well, I mean, you're, you're always busy, though. Like, you got JBTV, you got, uh, you're got you DJing all the time, and you have, you know, this huge event at the end of December or middle yeah. of December. The last Kill Hannah show yeah. ever. Yeah. Well, maybe ever until Riot Fest gets us back together. But. Yeah, I was going to say, like, <laughs> I was like, until, yeah. 
until like a gay lord's reunion night at Debonair for Halloween and then Kilhanna shows up. But for all intents and purposes, probably the last one for a good long time. Yeah. I mean, we just wanted to put an end on it. Like all of us are all doing different things, you know, and, uh, you know, if we waited too long, you know, it wouldn't mean anything. Yeah. Um, and not enough people would care. And we will all, all of us, the whole reason we, we wanted to play Metro one more time. You know? I mean, there's nowhere so, else it could have ended. That's like, yeah, that's like our house. You know, we uh, this is going to be our 42nd time playing there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we have the record. I have all the That's right. <laughs> we have the record. So, um, and then uh, Joe actually over at Metro, uh, Carcello, sent me the... Um, like flyer or lineup from the first time we ever played there. Wow. And it was the band Space, Kill Hannah, Muse. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. incredible. Insane. I wasn't in the band then, so I don't remember. Like, it was like the show before I got in the band. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, I'm like, wow. When was that? Uh, that was 1997, I think. Wow. Yeah. You know, Martin, when I met Greg for the first time, I was going to kill Hannah and local eight shows seemingly every week. I feel like there were four a week that I we would play do once in high a school. month. We play once a month at Metro. Yeah. yeah. For so years. So I spent my whole high school going to kill Hannah and local eight shows at Metro. And I met Greg cause he was of course standing outside flyering and passing out CDs all the time. And I don't even think I had any like internships or anything. I, I wasn't doing any music stuff and he was so nice and so friendly and he made you feel so important and significant. And he's always treated everybody that way. That's something that I always hear from everyone I talk to whenever Greg's name comes up. It's that, you you treat everyone so well and you're so nice to everybody, and I think that that's like that's not something that everybody adheres to as a value in this city, you know. But you've always been like that. Well, I know what it's like to be, you know, coming from the bottom and and trying to do something, and you should always respect somebody that's like you know doing something with art because you know like you never know who you could be talking to the next Billy Corgan or you know like whatever. And it's, especially uh, now in Chicago with yeah. like how many. How much young talent is coming up? Really, like I wish there was someone. more to tell you the truth. <laughs> well, I guess I mean like in the creative space in general, not yeah, just yeah, not just music, yeah, 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 but like video producers, promoters, yeah, writers, for like, sure, absolutely, yeah. It's it's nice to think of it from a we should all be nice to each other point of view, but but some people don't get that, yeah. and so I just tell people if you try and strategize who to be nice to, you'll never get it right, <laughs> and and then it's a strategy, yeah. So the only strategy you should employ is to be nice to the people. There's no reason for you to be nice to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then five years from now, you'll get that shot at Lollapalooza or something, and it will be because you were nice to this guy who's now the gatekeeper. Yeah. I did it? the opposite. I got into a fight with Kevin Diamond. <laughs> we got into a fist fight backstage. <laughs> and, you know, that's like the opposite story of what not to do. But I really enjoyed the uh, talk you had with them. A, uh, a few uh, months ago, yeah, yeah. Oh, we're friends now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's like, it's, you know, if I was to repeat that story again, it would never end like that. In fact, we were doing an event in New York, New Music Seminar, maybe six or seven years ago, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. You know, this, is, this <laughs> tension going on, and um, and I just stood up. I said, look, before this event goes on any further, I want to publicly apologize at the Ritz in New York to Kevin because I'm a complete asshole Uh and he accepted my apology and we've been friends Um, you know friends ever since yeah yeah but it's it it will never go that way again yeah yeah I mean like you learn from your mistakes you know and like uh, 
I mean, how old were you when then all that happened? You know, like twenty. Yeah, exactly. There was know? like I think there was like one less six pack in the dressing room. <laughs> it's, you know, it was just ridiculous. It was ridiculous. So when when, when was the first uh, Dynasty uh, podcast? Uh, or where did you meet Hyman? Q one oh one maybe? No, I met him before that. I met him before he was just a Kill Hannah fan. You know, um, and I, and I would talk to him then, and you know, and then he started producing the local one one thing. Um, and did more work with him then, and then he started the podcast. I can't remember the first podcast. It might have been on the first one. I don't know. <laughs> you know, was it even called a podcast? Yeah, I know like, exactly. Yeah, like a cassette recording <laughs> yeah. interview show, the C ninety cassette interview fanzine. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about you? What are you working on now? Uh, I'm teaching. I'm the I'm the music business department chair at a school called SAE. Okay, we're on on Orleans in Chicago. It's a tiny school, but I get to completely fuck up the, the music business curriculum. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you were doing that independently for years, you know, so... Yeah, I've, I've been teaching for a while, finishing up uh, Band Smart, uh, my new book, and starting to um, play my drums again. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I, I've got to. It's nice not to play them for a while, but we did a thing a few weeks ago with four drum kits, and it's like, ah. Oh, Awesome. Yeah, I've got to play a little bit. Do you like how I, I had to talk to my producers for a second, then Greg just kind of took over his host role? Like that's it's just <laughs> in go. here, and I was like, I can walk away for, from this for a second. It's in good hands. <laughs> yeah, you guys I'm slagging on you completely. <laughs> yeah, no, I believe it. <laughs> yeah, um, but I know, I know. Like uh, I haven't played my bass in God probably six months or something. You know, I haven't played my electric bass in probably like God like two years. Well, you know, so it's gonna be fun getting it back on for the Kill Hannah thing. Are you yeah. guys gonna have the the guitars and basses with the the glow lights on them? Oh, probably. I Those mean, are always it's, my it's our last show. Why stop now? <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna be all blistered up. You'll be crying, know, exactly. bleeding all over yeah. the place. You're gonna need to get new fingerless gloves, new <laughs> arm socks. <laughs> I did I did a session. One of my Kickstarter levels was I'll play drums on your album, and so this guy. Sent me like fourteen songs. Oh no! So like, oh my god! And my hands were just—I mean, my, yeah. I've got like baby hands now, <laughs> and they used to be like elephants' feet. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and my hands were just shredded and bleeding, and I'm holding my sticks like this in the end. Yeah. So yeah. Greg, you know, with with the end of Kilhanna really kind of coming to a close, um, obviously you got JBTV, you got DJ, and you've got all these things. But like, are you looking to do another band again, or do you think that this is kind of the end of that chapter? Uh, I think it's the end of that chapter, unless I found a band that I totally loved the music, or you know, I was a part of the writing process and believed in it so much. Um, then I'd do it again. But I just know the commitment it takes to be in a band, and I don't want to half-ass it. You know, so. Well, and I think like like in your twenties, it's probably like a lot easier to just like go full throttle I mean Kill Hannah was like in it's prime like I don't want to say in it's prime like that's I, no, I feel no, like that I sounds kind of yeah, yeah, but yeah. like when you guys were most active it's like it was it was just this kinetic force you guys were just on top of it 24-7 and Kill Hannah was this like living breathing element in Chicago it was inescapable for so long you know yeah it's like you kind of don't realize that because you're sitting in the bubble and you're working your ass off and everything and then you know you stop and you know when we when we announced these shows we had no idea the reaction we're gonna get we're like oh we're gonna sell like 100 tickets you know like the first day or 50 tickets like is anyone gonna care you know and then we put the tickets on sale with one facebook post and it was six hours before the tickets went on sale um 
I tried to get a longer lead time, but um, we couldn't get our website access because Matt didn't have any of the codes and we had to track it down. <laughs> I wanted to announce the show in June, and it took us two months to get everything to like get to our website so we could actually make the announcement on our website. But with a six-hour notice, put the tickets on sale, and we sold like 700 tickets in the first weekend. So awesome. I bought my $100 yeah. all-access uh, weekend pass, yeah. you know, um, and I, I pitched Illinois Entertainer. I'm throwing this out there publicly. I pitched them on doing a Last Days of Kilhanna feature, like follow the band around for the three days you guys are doing all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. and really just kind of chronicle it because Kilhanna, as much as any band, Kilhanna and Local H are the two bands that I've covered the most. Oh, yeah, for sure. You yeah. know, and I really want to be able to like create something meaningful, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a written piece, some combination yeah. that like helps tell that story because you guys have been. I mean, it's it's really no exaggeration. Like, you and Matt are two of the people I've known in this community the longest and two people who have always been just so so good, you know, so giving with your time and your talent and all your – and everything, you know. And it's, it, it's always been something that I've appreciated and I've never forgotten. People like you guys, people like Scott Lucas, like the people who have been giving, I'm always, like, extremely grateful to them. Can, can I ask you a question for me? Yeah. Where's the name come from? It's a great fucking name. <laughs> well, it's actually not a great name in 2015, I think, because it was funny. You know, the name came from an ex-girlfriend. Oh, so, he's gone again. Yeah, he's gone again. What the hell? <laughs> Remote control pocket. <laughs> This is the secret of his success. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so it was an ex-girlfriend, actually, this girl, Hannah, um, you know, that Matt was dating uh, at, uh, when he was at Illinois State University. She was actually a local, and she had, like, purple hair and everything, and he, and he dated her. And actually, the first Kill Hannah show I ever went to, I stood next to her not knowing. And then, like, I'm like, ooh, who's that hot girl? And then I played my first show with them in St. Louis, and on the way down, we went to... Uh, uh, stopped by her place and, and it was the girl I was standing next to for the first Kalana show I went oh. to. <laughs> so is she still around? Yeah, she, she's still around. She's actually like a, she like, she's, I think she's living in Austria or something. She was like working, writing speeches for like a diplomat the last time. Like, she's awesome. Wow. Like, totally great. So um, she's kind of okay with it? Oh yeah, totally okay with okay. it. Yeah, yeah. She should start like Hannah Kill Hannah. Yeah. Band or <laughs> Um, so yeah, but in 2015, and I think even when we were like, kind of like 2005, 2008, when, you know, brands started getting more and more into music and, you know, trying to get money that way and get tour Uh, support and everything, having kill in the title, you can't get any brands to support you, you know? Wow. So it's like all those things you have to think about now as a band is like, okay, is it searchable on Google? Is it going to get lost in the mix? You know? Is the website taken? And, right. but, but, and, but Hannah is a really nice person, and there's two sides to every story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't really a great band name. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. <clears throat> um, so I'm going to finish my Red Bull and leave yeah, you guys to it. Is this hey, right? Right? Yeah, 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 great to see you again. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Martin Atkins, man, thank you so much for, for everything and for taking the time today to be Thanks. part of this. Um, Thanks, Hannah. We, uh, we have a poster. If you could sign that, Audrey will. Yes. All right. <laughs> That's why people are tuning in. Yeah, man. All right. Um, and Greg Corner, again, thank you, man, for, for being here, man. Uh, so outside of setting up the Kilhanna shows, what's going on with like JBTV and everything else you're doing? Uh, so JBTV, I actually have to go there right after this because we got the Mowgli's playing over there. Um, right. Is that a one-on-one? 
Yeah, they're they're helping with it. Um, mm-hmm. It's actually Consequence of Sound. We just partner. We have a new partnership with Consequence of Sound now. Um, so we're doing a lot of shows together, a lot of live streams and stuff like that. Um, I think we're going to be covering Riot Fest together. Nice. Too. So um, it's been a, it's a really cool partnership. I love those guys. Um, so yeah. So we're we're I, my when I first started at JBTV, my goal was to be a media hub. Um, so when a band comes in, they get radio, they get TV. They get blog and they get written, you know. So we got the we've we've had the partnership with uh, WKQX for you know God almost three years now. Yeah. And then um, we got you know Consequence of Sound now. So now it's just time to bring in the uh, the paper, uh, you know, love. So yeah. get something in there. And it's like one stop shop. So the bands get all this like press and they just have to do one thing instead of like doing multiple things in a day and wasting their time. You know, JBTV is something that's. Like, it's, it's no understatement to call it an institution in Chicago. Yeah. It's legendary. It's been around for decades. And Jerry is a living legend yeah, in Chicago. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's something that when you got on board, what, four years ago maybe now? Uh, Five years three, ago? It's like three. I, okay. I think November or October 2012 was when I started. So When you got on board, it really turned a corner. JBTV was always great. It was yeah, always yeah, a great yeah. idea with a great product. But I think you really brought it into the modern age, the digital age, and made it and I mean this in the nicest way possible, relevant in a way no, that, absolutely, yeah. that now it's, it stands out, I think, a lot more and stands a lot stronger. What were your goals when you started out with JBTV? I mean, when my goal, when I got on JBTV, I'm like, I wanted to carry the torch from the 90s. So, you know, he was the first one to have Radiohead on, Oasis, right. Prodigy, Jeff Buckley, you know, like all these bands. And I'm like, that's what I wanted to do with the music now. Because that's what I've always been doing as a DJ is playing new music and turning people on to new music. That's one of my favorite things to do. So when I started JBT, I'm like, that's what I, I wanted to take my curation and take it a step further um, and, you know, for, for TV. And it was a perfect combo because uh, that's what Jerry needed, you know, because he was kind of Jerry's loves all music, you know, um, and he, he doesn't like to say no to people. Right. <laughs> so it's very positive. Yeah. So. Unfortunately, with that, there's been a lot of bands on JBT that have been really bad over, you know, <laughs> from 2000 until 2012, you know, like, or 2000, really, since he started the live studio. Right. Um, in 2008, I think he built that, 2007, 2008. So, um, but, and I just wanted to bring the, the, really the the heart of JBTV back from from the early 90s you know when we all grew up watching it and and got turned on to so many bands absolutely you know doing it so and then I want to help all the bands that I love that never get TV yeah know? and make it something where it's not just showing that Smashing Pumpkins show from 1993 yeah exactly yeah <laughs> and he's no. got two of them actually he's got one from 95 that he never shows and one from 93 the one yeah. from 93 is like yeah but it's it's really incredible to see what you've been able to do there, the team you've been able to build out there. You know, I, I stop by JBTV like one, maybe like once every other month. Like there's always an act that I want to see. And, and when I have the time or I'm not teaching, it's something I love visiting. I just want to see Failure. Yeah, yeah. And it's, awesome show. Um, I mean, it was, that was incredible. Yeah. They, they took my request for the last song for another space song. I was awesome. so stoked on that. Awesome. Um, but Ken, Ken Andrews actually mixed it for us. That's amazing. He's just you cannot awesome. beat that. Yeah, he's awesome. We got a Ken Andrews mix. Awesome. I can't wait <laughs> to see that. For those of you that don't know, Ken Andrews is the lead singer of Failure and also just a, a great producer and mixer. Yeah. Um, and usually our sound guy mixes it, but he had a mix turnaround for us in like five days. Awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. But what it stood out to me, I mean, aside from how great the show is, that like when I went there, it was so efficiently run. It was full. You had the radio station there. It was such a 
a higher level of production and efficiency and execution than it was maybe five years ago. Yeah, it's funny. When I first came on board, uh, it took them like five hours to do a taping. And I'm like, guys. Well, we can't ask this much time for a band. You'll never get any bands, right. you know? So I'm like, this is what we need. We need it like two and a half to three and a half, like a half hours. a half hour thing for yeah. failure. In and, and it's out, like, half boom, hour. boom, boom. But like I'm saying from load in to load out. Yeah. You know, like the request from the bands. And then when I came on board not knowing, in the first year I booked over 150 bands or something. And, uh, you know, before that they had maybe 30 bands a year. Yeah. So I, I like I like I brought five times more bands in there than they ever had, you know. So, I mean that's it's it's staggering, and and it's something that I think you just you've taken to so well. It's like I think, you know, Kill Hannah had started like, you know, losing some speed as everybody moved different places. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It and seemed like you were ready projects. for another big substantial kind of thing to really fully commit to. yeah it was my new band you know when i when i got in there i knew i had to make a commitment to it and uh you know i went as hard as i can but it's definitely still hard to raise money for anything in music now you know yeah so um it's it's really hard to keep it float it's really hard to bring in sponsors and brands so i have learned a lot with it you know well i think that's something that set you <sighs> apart is that you know in kill Hannah, i think you were doing a lot of the kind of decision making the industry side the back end and it probably was great practice for like venturing into something like JBTV yeah I mean just knowing both sides of the story you know it helps knowing where an artist is coming from because there's some ass from JBTV that I'm like you can't ask the band to do that that's like ridiculous right you know? here uh, he is we got show you suck yeah. joining the conversation uh, Clinton Sanifer man awesome <laughs> this is I think this is what I'm going to do it's like how are you doing sir I have some like kind of crossover we had Martin into Greg. Now we're going to kind of like bring show into the conversation, man. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing really good, man. I'm really, congrats. Dude. I didn't realize that 10? 10, 10 years that's of crazy. Dynasty Podcast. Yeah. It's, that's it awesome. is a little bit nuts. It's it's something that, you know, just, just like you guys, just like Greg with, with DJing, with working on JBTV, with Kilhano, you and, and making music and always putting out, I mean, you put out so much music, you know. Like, it's something I just have to do, you know. Yeah, and yeah. I've been really fortunate. I've been very, very lucky that, like, great people like, like you, like like Martin, who is here, like the people who keep taking time for the podcast, take time for it. Because you guys have other stuff you could do. So I've been very fortunate that people like you guys make it what it is, you know. What, uh, how many times did you have to answer the question when you first started, what's a podcast? Okay, this is a true story. <laughs> I'm going to... I won't name a name so I don't want to embarrass someone, but a mutual friend of ours, Greg, which I guess could be anyone in Chicago. <laughs> so someone who lives in the 606. But um, a mutual friend of ours was one of the early co-hosts on the podcast because it used to be kind of a different structure. I had a whole team of like, you know, I still have a team, but everybody was on the mic. You know, we, we did it more as like almost a... Like party line? Like a party line, yeah. It was like oh, me, man. Desiree, like That's all wild. these people. And um, so we had somebody who was like a co-host on like three or four or five episodes and one day I was talking to them and I, I brought up the podcast and they go, what's a podcast? And I was like, you've been on like five of them. <laughs> like, what did you think we were doing? She's like, I, I just thought it was a radio show. I'm like, well, yeah, that, that, that is. Like, that's the truth. It's a radio show. It's yeah. just an online radio show. But I love that this person was like on multiple <laughs> episodes. And then she was just like, well, what's a podcast? I'm like, that's what you've done. Uh, yeah, early yeah. on it was very, very hard to like, for a long time it was really hard to kind of like 
get people to commit, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure for a little bit it was maybe like that with JBTV when you guys were, like, restructuring it. And one of the turning points is um, we just kind of lucked into getting Perry Farrell on the podcast. It was one of those Lollapaloozas where he was doing just a ton of press, and a publicist just happened to reach out to me, and I, I got to interview him. You know, I was just one of many yeah. at some hotel um, when he was promoting Lala. It was like a five-minute interview. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was it was great. He was super gracious, but it wasn't like it was a substantial, significant thing. But getting to say that we had Perry on the podcast, yeah, exactly. that was one of the things that, like, started to unlock some wow. doors. And then from there, like... That's the same thing built. I did at JBTV, you know, because it was looked at as, like, uh, kind of public access, you know? Right, right, right. And right. so I just started booking smaller, then bigger, then bigger, then bigger, then bigger. And it, it just snowballed. And then yeah. you get more respect. And now, you know, finally I have publicists calling me trying to get their bands that I actually want on the show. Right. You know, so and and the, the quality of talent has just risen. You know, you guys had... Well, we just had Show You Suck On about a month yeah, ago. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, I mean, I remember when Fall Out Boy had their comeback album a couple of years ago. You guys got them for a really great show. Yeah. And it's like this... And I'm not singling out Fall Out Boy, but like sometimes, you know, you get an act that was a name, and then they do something on the way down years later. But Fall Out Boy was just like way back yeah, on the way yeah, back yeah, up, yeah, yeah. and they came into JBTV and they did an awesome set. Yeah. And that was something that I was really appreciative that you got me into. But, uh, but yeah, like the... The names have been coming in. They're real names playing there. Yeah, I mean, we still have a lot, a lot of room to go. You know, there's, you know, we still have to get Dave Grohl in there. <laughs> That'll happen. There's no way that won't happen. Yeah. Dave Grohl's too in love with rock and roll and/or himself to not do yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what about you, man? Uh, Clinton Sandifer, show you suck. Like, maybe what was kind of a moment where like you always knew that what you were doing was legit, but other people really started to kind of like you know, believe the story yeah. or like, or, you know, like what was kind of a milestone where things turned? Um, I guess really for me, the, the milestone was, I mean, it, honestly it was, I mean, there was a lot building up to it, but Riot Fest really was. The, I was going to so, say that. I was going to say that. More so than the sh- actual show, just the announcement. Yes. Of me being on there, it was a huge turning point. And then, um, actually performing it performing there it was a huge huge catalyst in a lot of things but um i say more so than that it was just my my career is kind of more so built on multiple i don't say smaller moments but like multiple like in scale mm-hmm. smaller things that combine to that to that situation like um they build and they build yeah yeah build. like i mean being on jbtv like sure being on your podcast are, are things that rappers don't normally get to say they do mm-hmm. and that's kind of that's the story of my my career so far i just do a bunch of stuff that rappers normally don't get you're, to you're, do you're punk rock <laughs> yeah i'll <laughs> take it you've always had that punk ethos but i think there's really something to be said for for going into the territory that other people aren't you know i use this this analogy at columbia college because one of the buildings has these elevators that are just a nightmare they're too Mm -hmm. small they're too slow and everybody tries to cram in the one elevator that everybody else is in and i'm like take the other elevator that no one's in not only because literally it'll get you there faster but also you know so and i I think riot fest 100 percent. i knew that that was going to be the answer like i knew that that was kind of like your that was your season finale moment. Yeah, you know for what I sure. mean? Where like yeah. if this was a story arc during a, a show's season, it'd be like, that's the last episode of the season where you get to Riot Fest and you do it. It's just dope to finally like you know when if 
if you've ever seen me at Reggie's, mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm playing Riot Fest. If you see me <laughs> at the House of Blues, like, in my mind, I'm playing Riot Fest. Like, even when I'm in New York at SOBs, I'm thinking of playing <laughs> You're like, Riot what up, Fest. Humboldt Park? And they're like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, it's like, so it was dope to finally get the opportunity and be like, God, yes, thank you. Like, this is what I've been trying to build my thing into and finally you get to see like what it is and now for me to have done riot fest now the the next the next stage is in my head now like like i wish people can see what's inside my head for my shows and Man, like i feel like you and maybe throwing this out there we should have brought this up to martin atkins who knows kevin lineham we need to get show you suck on warp tour absolutely that Dude, would people like- have been telling me this yeah. for three years now and i've had multiple i have Tons of friends of mine play Riot. I mean, I Riot Warp Tour. Yeah. And I know tons of tour managers. And everyone always tells me, oh, man, I'm going to call this one guy. You're going to be right on. I'm going to call him right now. And it's just, and for years, it's just, it just, no one does it. <laughs> but you know uh, what? You're going to Let's make that, that happen. Yeah. Let's we did, it's group effort. Me, you, and Martin will reach out to All right. We're going to do that winter campaign. <laughs> show you suck on Warp Tour. Hashtag show at Warped. Oh man, that would be insane. Let's like, start that movement. Hashtag that's like fishing a bear. I'll kill it, dude. You I'll would, and there. you would find so many fans at Warped. Yeah, Tour. so I many know, kids man. that would not find your music otherwise. Who maybe like? Yeah, these are you know white kids from the suburbs, and they maybe don't know Treated Crew. They don't know Chicago scene, and they don't know like that. They don't know that they like hip hop, and like I know that there are teenagers in that Bro. audience that like. Would have their minds blown, and they'd be like, "This is amazing!" I all know, these songs man. About pizza. I know, and like, <laughs> just, just all the years I've worked in a mall, like I, I know that demographic very well, and I know what they would be stoked on. And it's yeah. like, and You're it's always, it's always such a bummer to go. Like, I always have, like I said, I have friends who play every year, so I end up going, and like, I get to, see, I get to see it from the artist's perspective, yeah. but I'm not able to, like, no one's Rock able it. to see. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh my god, it's like I'm right here, like. Well, I think you belong on that. I think I said that to you before too. Yeah, I think I said that, yeah, I think I yeah. said that to you like last year. Maybe I hear it all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's dope because it means I know I'm going in the right direction, and the people that need to see me are seeing me. They know that I would fit on yeah, yeah, tour. Yeah. You're the right person to see me. You know. Yeah. Now, who are some of the people that you are collaborating with in Chicago? Like, who's your who's your crew in your scene right now? Because I feel like you've like you've built and you've built and you've built, and you're like. You're doing new things. It maybe and maybe I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. It feels like you're kind of like moving into kind of the next stage of your career. Yeah, it's weird. I um one of my well, I'm of my main collaborator is if is Mike Jacks. Um, Professor Fox has definitely come into He's the fold. He's gonna be here later today. Awesome. He's like helped me take definitely take my music to like a different uh, a different level for sure. He's a very smart dude. Very very smart dude. Um, there's another producer by the name of Walking Shoe um, that I've been working a lot with, and um, I'm trying to think who else in Chicago. My circle is a lot smaller than what it used to be, so I think that's really all I've been kind of. You know, I pop in with other producers every once in a while, but that's mainly like the that's the team. That's my production team, like for sure. What's kind of next for you? Because you know, you've had the pizza releases, like yeah. you've done Riot Fast, like. It, it feels like we've seen, like, Show You Suck stage one. Again, just my interpretation. Yeah. Kind of like, what's, what's the next build out of what you're doing? Um, it's kind of what I'm building now is, um, well, the next stage is just me on steroids. 
Like it's just everything that I've done before, but just like way big, way way bigger. Um, there's some different sounds you will hear like coming from me, um, but nothing like super weird. You know, like it's just mm-hmm. it, everything's just louder. You know, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's basically what it is. That should be the name of the song. Everything's just louder. Yeah, yeah. Everything's just just a lot louder. And now I um I'm smart enough to know what to ask for uh, musically now. So I'm a lot more effective on the production end as well, which is kind of cool. That's that's one of the best parts about like kind of doing anything for a long time, but like being in this industry for a long time. And I know Greg can, I would imagine, attest to this. Is like the longer you do this, the more you know. Like, here's what I'm asking for. Here's what I don't want. Mm-hmm. Here's what we can avoid because that's just a waste of time. Like, and it makes you a lot more efficient. Yeah, my vision is a lot clearer now. It's a lot, lot clearer with um how with how I'm I roll out songs now and and just create content really I um it's even expanded to um like into the visuals um I'm a lot more streamlined now and a lot more precise um here's another cool thing outside of music I actually shot a pilot for a comedy central show Shut a couple up. of weeks no, ago really yeah is there it's a sketch it's a sketch show awesome um it's yeah, it's really awesome. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's a sketch show. Uh, that's all I can really say about yeah. it. Like, well, yeah, it's it really yours weird. or you're part of no, it. No, no, like- no, no. I'm de- I'm part of it. It's it's not mine. It's, it's a comedy. Um, it, it's a comedy troupe uh, based here in Chicago. What are they um, called? Or can you not say? I yeah, I can't okay. say any right, of that. Right. Unfortunately, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm so too. <laughs> Hopefully, it gets picked up. You know, but just to know that uh, people in those areas. I'm on their radar because I didn't know what it when I went and did it. I didn't know what it was, um, but I, I just knew it was a comedy see sketch. You on, a, on a sketch comedy show, man. It, yeah, it's, I've I've done a lot of other podcasts with comedians, and always sure. at the end they always ask me, "Yo, you ever thought about like like doing stand up or like sketch writing anything?" And so um, it's definitely been something I've been more and more like looking into nowadays. But you know, yeah, it's it's this is one of those things that life like. I had no idea I'd be uh, steering in that direction at all. See the next Childish yeah. Cambino right here. Dude, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I'll take it, dude. That dude's rad. Do a stand-up show at JBTV. You guys are doing yeah. stand-up now. Yeah, right? I know. Yeah. I just thought about that. Like, my shows end up stand-up sometimes anyway. Yeah. 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 You know? You know how to work a heckler. Yeah. <laughs> dude, all right. All right work tour. Either. Yeah. yeah. Um, Greg good. Corner. Show you, man. Show you We're about to bring on Zoe Wise. And Congrats. Dude, thank on you. On 10 years, man. Thank you for everything, man. And let's do something awesome around... The KH show. The 20th December. anniversary of Kill Hannah. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> um, so, Audrey, my producer over here, um, she's got a poster for you guys to sign. That'd be okay. awesome. Dude, right. this was great. Thanks, Thank man. you for coming out. Hell, man. yeah, dude. Um, love to Lily Kay. I know she wasn't able to make it out today, but, you know, she's a valued member of the podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well. She bummed she couldn't make it. Yeah. Right on. We've got Kinky Love coming in now. Um Dude, thank you again. And yeah, like sign the poster. You got it. Dude. Awesome. This is, I love this. I could do this for 24 hours. But Don't say that too loud. Yeah, that was the original idea, but it was something that we decided against. But like, kind of just having like people just like yeah. rotate in and out. Like, this is incredible. That's the last time I saw a show you suck was right Fest. Dude, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Right there. Just rotate um, around Chicago. Kinky Love. How are you guys doing? Good. Zoe, great. Dan. Alan. Alan, that's right. Sorry, you're, man. You'll never so forget. many people coming in. I apologize. Um, how's it going? Good. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> I'm holding up okay so far. How far in are we? Two hours. Two hours? This feels like we've been doing it like 10 minutes, so 
Maybe that's a good sign. That's a really good sign. Yeah. Um, Kinky Love and Zoe Wise. You know, you guys are two different musical entities, but obviously so interconnected. What's going on with you guys? Like, I, I always see, like, new updates from Kinky Love. Like, it looks like you guys are releasing, like, one song at a time kind of thing. Is that it? Is that the case? Or? Mm-hmm. Uh, more or less, but we also just wrapped up an EP, EP four-song EP. Yeah, a couple of songs that haven't been out yet. So now they're all mashed together into this little digital release that we call an EP because that was the best term that we could find for it. Did that one already come out or? Uh, so shortly it'll be out. Yeah. Okay, all right. Because I know it's taking too long. Yeah, it we're has we're gonna we're, we're moving things a little faster. You know, you we're, we're here. You wonder, you know, what has been happening. Do they have any more tattoos? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I know Zoe. For you, you had a race car orgasm. The EP come out. Um, had a race car orgasm. <laughs> yeah, like which is such an amazing yeah. name for a record. Um, and that was what, like spring? That was May. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So we talked right before that at South By. Yeah. But I think I got to hear the record then, and it's it's really amazing. Thank you. Um, what's going on with the Zoe Wise full length with Race Car Orgasm? So, um, yeah, that EP took a long time. It was supposed to be a full length originally, um, and it kind of became more of an experiment. Um, it's turned much more into a band, so um, there's a lot more guitars involved in the writing for the full length. So we're definitely doing some of that, like, I'll get together in a cabin and finish it, kind of writing together style for finishing it. Um, and that's actually in an actual winter. cabin. Yeah, cabin, cabin stuff. So <laughs> cabin writing. Dude, that's awesome. Where is this cabin, Michigan? I just assume all cabins are in Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look into the Michigan cabins. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is in Wisconsin, I think. Okay, fair yeah, enough. Yeah. All cabins are in Wisconsin. Southern Illinois or Michigan. Right. And then, yeah, yeah, my bedroom, a lot's happening. Kinky Love does a lot in my bedroom as well. We're exclusively bedrooms. It's a lot of DIY. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But you guys have been able, between Zoe Wise and between Kinky Love, you guys have been able to put out, I feel like, a steady stream of music. Are you guys just writing, recording all the time? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. It gets gets weird and kind of uncomfortable when we're not writing, like when we were practicing a lot for a show or something. It's like, wait, there are all these songs. They're just kind of sitting there. They're not getting attention. We want to get back to them. I mean, I feel like I've, I see, like, I want to say, like, every month, every other month, like, a new blog exclusive premiere of, like, either a Zoe song or a Kinky Love song. It feels like you guys are really good at connecting with that online kind of platform to premiere your music. You're not just putting it out on Bandcamp or SoundCloud. You're actually getting press behind it, right? That's, yeah, absolutely. That's been cool. To a certain extent, I think that... Both Kinky Love and my stuff, they're in a similar place as far as, um, like, vision. Like, we're, we're getting ready to do something with, in Kinky Love that um, Dan has this production vision for. This, this is true. Um, going to crash and burn absolutely yeah. miserably. It's going to be <laughs> No, it's going to be, like, be awesome. Yeah. 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 And I've got this live band kind of vision for my stuff that, so it feels very, you know, clear, which is just really fun to approach because you know it's going to sound completely different in the end to some degree. Yeah. But I feel like you guys are, like, both acts, really building an audience. You know, Zoe, I went to your Shuba's show. When was that? May. May. Okay, yeah. And and that was packed. It was absolutely packed in there, and it was really, really cool. Yeah, it was cool. Um, and you did a cover of Filters Take a Picture, yeah. and I, like, lost my mind. <laughs> I love that song. I have... song's so good. It's so good. Like, Summer of 99 was a great summer for me. That record was a 
brilliant record. I don't know how we're talking about so much 90s new metal. <laughs> we were talking about Live Biscuit in like two or three interviews prior to this. Um, but that title of record, Filter Album, mm-hmm. like, I have so much love for that. When you went in to take a picture, I, like, lost my mind. I was <laughs> tweeting about it. I was like, oh, my God. How did you determine that as a cover? Um, well, I love that song, and the programming on it is awesome. So yeah. I was a big fan of that. And I was just kind of a song I was just jamming to. And, you know, when you're done making music, you can't listen to music anymore. And so there were a few songs that I was just like, this is still so full of pleasure for me and so I love that song throughout. is that the case though like when you're like okay I worked at Lou Malnati's like 10 years ago as like a phone operator <laughs> okay. and for a while I was just like no 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 pizza please no pizza, and you're right. like, pizza's amazing I'm like pizza's amazing, intellectually yeah. I know that but no pizza yeah. like does it get like that though when you're recording and you're just like the last thing I want to do is listen to music I do listen to NPR a lot more when I'm like mixing or anything like that yeah well you guys did a tiny desk concert too right no, no, we did the. Um, <laughs> there was a submission. We did for the a submission. Oh, okay. For the tiny, so close, close. You got a ton of hits on that video. Yeah, though, but right? the video did. Yeah, people like the video. Which but you cool. know what? Like, people glance through things so quickly on Facebook that most people probably think you just did a tiny desk. <laughs> That's a really good idea. Like, submission just be like too. submission. Just, yeah. I'm just gonna start doing that with do. everything we do. Podcast, Rolling Stone magazine submission. Mm-hmm. You know, and people are like, you got a podcast from Rolling Stone? I'm like, no, <laughs> it, was it was a, a submission. submission <laughs> but people can think that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you've got new music with both Kinky Love and Zoe Wise kind of on the horizon. Are we thinking 2015, 16? 2016 for me. Okay. Yeah. We want to do Kinky yeah. Love Christmas record, so it's going to be the 24th, 25th, somewhere in there. No, no. Like, <laughs> no, yeah, 20, like, no. 2015 for sure. No. no, we don't do Christmas We're not songs. doing that. We would, no, no one would ever want it. People would Kinky get, Christmas? Yeah, if they heard that, they, would, they would just abandon all holiday songs. <laughs> just, we would ruin it for everybody. So. No, the EP is on deck. It's 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 not quite ready, but um, it'll, it'll be out in 2015. There's that, and then something else, hopefully. What is, like, how long have you guys been doing... You know, the Zoe Wise Project and Kinky Love. Like, what are the timelines on those? We got started, Zoe and I, before Alan, in maybe late, like, what, 2013? Mm-hmm. 20, 2013. 2013. Yeah. And gradually, like, things have gotten more and more meshed. I'm not really a part of, like, Zoe's writing project, but I'm there to play for her and try to help her out yeah. and give my opinions. And then, obviously, we've been working on Kinky Love from the start, Zoe and I, and then Alan joined in a couple months later mm-hmm. after that. It's interesting, like... Things I've learned to do with Zoe for our project, I feel like then maybe might also apply to her and vice versa in a lot of ways. It's helpful when, because my band has been an, like, you know, it was a singer-songwriter thing Mm -hmm. in the very beginning. It was very folky in 2012 or 11, maybe. I started playing out in Chicago, and it's just progressed so much. Um, So now it's more of a band thing, and... There might be some, like, name adjustment things happening mm-hmm. with my coming This is a big controversy. Everybody has their own opinion on the Zoe Wise name situation. We all love the Zoe Wise name, but there's also the possibility of some changes, right? Maybe. Are you talking about, like, potentially merging the project? No. Or? Not, not merging, but right. um, just adding, you know, a noun. Like Zoe Wise and <laughs> yeah. the experience or something like Zoe that? Wise the Zoe Wise experience. Yeah, yeah. so I'm yeah. doing some something of that. Because Steve and line. I, you met Steve, my guitar mm-hmm. player. We're writing yeah. so much together, and then... We're doing demos and we're bringing them to the band, and then it's just evolving like that. So Dan's been playing bass a lot. Alan's actually maybe drumming in Cincinnati. <laughs> We've been awful. doing like a lot of festivals or like same day shows, both bands. So that's kind of cool because 
we're like kind of probably makes it very easy. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like oh, I need because yeah. But you guys, that's the other thing. Like, you guys have started doing a lot of like out of state shows, right? Mm-hmm. How have you like? How has that been going? Because what I think is really great about Zoe Wise and Kiki Live is that you guys are you pretty independent, but you are consistently building. It looks like you know you're getting mm-hmm. these premieres. You're playing out of state. You're not just confined to Chicago, you know, in Chicago press, not that there's anything wrong with that, but you guys are really, like, building beyond that. How have you been able to do that, and how has the response been? Um, well... I would like to say that that one of us is the mastermind behind that, but I think our, our wheelhouse is making sure that we have the content, mm-hmm. and um, once the content is ready, um, you know, our, our manager, Marcy, does a great job of reaching out to people that she knows... And, and uh, making sure that we have a, a, a wider platform for the content. And, yeah, I think we should shout out Marcy. Um, what's her last name? Shout Garcia? out Marcy. Marcy yeah. Garcia. Garcia, that's what I thought. And, and Marcy's somebody who works really hard for her artist. She also reps Michael Mask, another yeah. great kind of, not, not entirely dissimilar, you know, like female-fronted, kind of ethereal, ambient, mm-hmm. electronic-tinged kind of group, even though you guys sound completely different. But, but Marcy works really, really hard for her artists. Yeah, she's great. And she reps, like, in real life, on the streets, and online, you know? Mm-hmm. And so she's somebody who, she brought you guys up here today. She's got Michael Mask coming up here today. So, like, shout mm-hmm. out Marcy. She works really hard, and I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Shout out Haima. Works Dude. really hard. <laughs> but and, and I have to, like, give you guys a shout out as well, because, you know, you guys have done the podcast a number of times now. Mm-hmm. And, and legitimately, like, it's not just a professional appreciation. I'm, like, an actual real fan of of both groups like I love your voice Zoe I love the production you guys do with Kinky Love and it's always really exciting when I get to sit down and talk with you guys and see you live you know no, appreciate that I love talking to you yeah we got to <laughs> chat at South by Southwest and yeah. I think it was a really good time that's so cool that was so much fun just like seeing people you know other places and it keeps you going you know like talking to cool people <clears throat> I love talking to I love doing radio interviews because it's just so like I don't know just like real people like just yeah. like you love music, like you can just chat. And, and it builds that community, and, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. And that when it what you know can help enable you to play more. Because it's awesome to play live, but you know, kind of have to take your time with how frequently you do that and mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like you guys are kinda of due for a show though. Am I wrong or mm. well, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're, you're, not, you're not wrong ideally, but <laughs> we really like to I think I mentioned earlier, we kind of like to really break down the live band when we get writing because then so many things start changing with the live band and we're like, how the heck are we going to make that song work right. on stage with four people? So when we try to do the two things at the same time, it can get a little confusing and you wind up kind of doing like a half-baked set where you're not committed to one thing or the other. So for now, at least we're probably going to try, at least with Kinky Love, we're probably going to try just work on the writing and leave the show for a while, figure that all, all that mess out later. You guys did a show that I was really, really hoping to make it out to, and I wasn't able to, unfortunately, because of another commitment. But you guys did a show with Celine Neon and Moniker, right? After right. Pitchfork? Yeah, that was so fun. How was that? Because that bill is, like, incredible. Like, all people that I personally like yeah. and just music that I, like, just have a ton of love for. So what was that bill like? That was great. Yeah. I've, I've been a fan of Matthew's voice for Absolutely. so long. I mean, amazing. And then... Celine Dion, like, I knew Maggie from, like, beforehand. So, I mean, you always, you find out eventually in Chicago you're somehow connected to something that you're <laughs> going to some weird way. Um, 
and then Psalm One was there that night. Yeah. And I was like, Yeah, that's right. Didn't didn't uh, rapper chicks or Psalm and Celine do a collab that night, or am I thinking yeah. of a different? Okay. Yeah. No, it was it was a crazy awesome night. Everybody was so good. It was really really cool. And yeah, Psalm One. I had never m- met her before, but I had seen her play. And then she's awesome. I just had like a dream about her. So my approach <laughs> to like introducing myself was just such a, a mess. So like you were my dream, and like I saw you play too, and she's like, "What?" You'd be I'm gonna surprised. ask her about this. I'm gonna remind me in like six hours. I'm gonna yeah. ask her like, "What was it like when I you met Zoe Wise?" And she bowling plans too. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, she's a really great bowler. I think. Right on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. So you've got you the heard new. About it? No. <laughs> <laughs> You've got the new music on the way. There's, in theory, some shows happening. What else is kind of on deck for... <laughs> for yeah, you know, at some point. Like, <laughs> what else is happening, you know, coming up for Zoe Wise and or Kinky Love? Um, our submission to Rolling Stone. That's right. Maybe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm telling you, just keep doing submission, <laughs> yeah, submission. too. And then everyone's yeah. going to be like, that's awesome. You played Pitchfork this year. Be like... Well, we we submitted but, yeah. Furniture. I've been thinking about starting to build some furniture. Um... <laughs> This idea, I think, started yesterday. <laughs> okay. Let's give it a week right. to bake, and then mm-hmm. let's get back to music. Awesome. No, we are getting in the car, and we're going to Cincinnati. Yes, we're going to Cincinnati. Both of us, Kinky Love and Zoe, are playing that. Right on. We're going to Midpoint Music Festival. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's our next thing, and then the EP will be out shortly after. I, I awesome. Imagine. Well, I can't wait to hear new music, obviously, from both acts. Um, and you know what? Like, let's Let's close on this, because we have... Professor Fox coming on later in the podcast. I don't remember what, yeah, what time. Yeah, I love Professor Fox. Um, kind of what was your experience like working with him? Oh, it was so cool. Yeah, it was, the EP ended up being a ton of different producers, and he right. was one I was a fan of, and we worked together on this song that changed so much, and, you know, at times we were just, you know, beating our, our heads, you know, for what it was going to sound like, and when we finally landed on it, it was really, really great, so... Um, he was in my dream the other night, too. Yeah. And, uh, I was going to say this. Um, most of the time, Zoe will have a story about a dream relating to everybody in her life. So, Will you do me a favor, Zoe? Will you please tweet me and the podcast when we make a dream appearance there? Yeah, I got you. All right, On the cool. dream radar. Today in Dream Talk. Yeah. Dynasty. I will definitely retweet that. <laughs> um, Zoe Wise and Kinky Love, man. It's always great to talk to you guys. And I, I have so much love for you guys as people. And as musicians, and I love your music. Thank you Thank so much you. for being part Thanks of this. Thanks for having us. That's really awesome. Sweet. And we got, um, do we have the next act in here? All right, we got Beach cool. Jesus coming in, I think. Yeah. All right, cool. So we've got a, um, one of my producers, Lavender or Mary, will give you guys, we have a poster to sign. Oh, yeah. That everybody assigning you comes up, yeah. and then if we could do an Instagram of you guys. Thank you for yeah. coming up. This is awesome. Yeah, come on in. What's going on? How's it going? Hi, Evan. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Have a seat. All right. So um, let's see where we are with time. I'm like losing. I've been doing this now for two and a half hours. How's it going? It's going good, but I'm losing all track of like where we are in the day because I'm just <laughs> sitting in one place as yeah, people right. cycle in and out. <laughs> so I'm like, is it 10 p.m.? Is it next Friday? Like, what's going on? Um, Beach Jesus, um, let's have you guys introduce yourselves, because this is the first time we've had you guys on the podcast. Thank yeah. you for coming up tonight. Yeah, oh, thank, thank you for having us. This is, yeah. we feel really honored to be amongst all these other, like, artists and everything. It's kind of like, No, wow. it's awesome, man. It's cool as fuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, name.